0: Welcome back
1: everybody to the show you're watching and or listening to the belly up fantasy live football show beside me are chris dowhauer and justin herrera at semtex mex 93 uh if you didn't see the last episode justin will be joining us permanently we are super excited to be having him on board um be talking to him more often um With that, however, Dan, unfortunately, will be uh, hit or miss, whether or not he's on. Obviously, tonight, you won't be seeing him. Um, I I do believe he'll be listening in. Um, So, hi, Dan. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we're we're super excited to have Justin on now. He's an up-and-coming writer and now podcaster here at Belly Up. Um, All right, how's it going, guys? We've got a lot to to talk about now with preseason and actual football being played. doesn't really count, but...
2: They're playing football. Yeah, we got preseason football, and we had cuts today. So you got a lot of different things happening out there right now.
1: Right, there is a lot of movement uh, around the league. Uh, so yeah, with, with that, this episode we'll be talking about um, about those cuts, about how rookies performed. Um, you know, just there's just a lot, a lot to unpack. Some some sleepers for you. Uh, some final redraft study. Uh, Justin, how how you doing?
3: Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I was surprised that um, Cam Newton was the first guy who got canned today. Uh, I didn't yeah. see that one coming at all. But, um, yeah, th- no, it was a good day. Got to learn who made the cut. Got to kind of look into, like, if I was analyzing things right and seeing who would actually make the cut. Mm-hmm. I hit and miss in some of them, but, you know, everybody yeah. does. Yeah, and it is how it is. I... For one, I could not believe
1: that my my boy, my sleeper boy, Kenny Yaboa was cut after a, a game tying preseason Hail Mary over a hundred yards in the preseason, and he's cut by the Jets. Add yep. insult to injury, Chris Herndon got traded too. Yeah, I, I did see that with with Irv Smith having um, some injuries. Um, yeah, and the other tight end there is getting picked up quite a bit, it seems. Um as well. Um so before we get we get too deep into this, we're gonna go ahead and shout out, thank our sponsor, Manscaped. Your client going away for ten years.
4: Unless
2: unless, unless we swap first round picks.
4: Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to Manscaped.com. For 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code Fantasy today.
0: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
1: I'd really have to know how many how many takes it took Dan to do that with a straight face. Uh,
3: <laughs> oh, that was really good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, so how that should we... be that should be on every podcast. Just change yes. the end of it. Belly up. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, that
1: was yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I think we, we go ahead and we start with the uh, the quarterback battles, um, the ones uh, we kind of mentioned that first one. Um, Cam Newton got cut. Uh, what does that mean for Mac Jones as a, a fantasy asset, uh, a redraft in Dynasty? What does that mean for all of the pass catchers? Um, for me personally, I think James White is a huge beneficiary uh, of this. Um, obviously, all the pass catchers are um, – just to some extent, I don't know. Uh, Chris, who do you think was the biggest, uh, who, who took the biggest win today on the the Patriots offense?
2: I think it's going to be a tie between James White and Nelson Aguilar. I mean, I think that we all kind of agree that Cam Newton's arm seems to have not be what it has been in a long time. Um, he's basically just throwing out floaters out there, and he, he could attack the field with the tight end, so I thought they still were going to be you know, successful with Cam under the center, but. I really had a lot of doubt about the outside receivers, how involved they could be, but I think Nelson Aguilar, especially his deep speed, is something that can be utilized with Matt Jones as a quarterback. We saw him very effective with Alabama receivers. We seen him push the ball down the field. you know guy basically was the top uh, quarterback out pushing the ball down the field in college last year, so I think he's probably gonna be one of the biggest beneficiaries and then I like guess you said James White. You got some check down options now. Cam didn't Low checked back, you know, basically he's gonna look in the run if he didn't with first read wasn't open. So I think James Play is definitely a big beneficiary. You're gonna see a lot more probably four or five receiver sets out there as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with that. Uh Justin, do you have an, anyone else to add that would
3: a big uh beneficiary? Uh yeah, so I'll add Jacoby Myers. I mean, he's the first wide receiver and he's probably the last wide receiver that's a number one taken in every draft. And I think he's officially gotten into that level where you can kind of consider him like a buy at this point, you know, like Jacoby Myers was picking up steam last season. And mm-hmm. now he's just got a great quarterback to throw in the ball. right? So instead of, instead of relying on scam Newton to freaking you know, think and dunk it, he can actually get downfield with some solid digs and be like getting up 10 yard chunks at a time instead of being like, Oh yeah, five yard pass here. Do a drag route five yards, try and turn it up field. He can actually legitimately go across the field, catch some good passes, and you know he's going to be targeted at least seven times because he is good. He is really good. Yeah. I, I also think the tight ends, the tight ends in the red zone, that's probably a rookie quarterback's favorite tools. Just go straight to the tight ends in the red zone. So, Johnu yeah. and Hunter. Mm-hmm. That is a really good point. Right. Is um, I think that the
1: tight ends would have gotten their targets regardless. But Cam Newton really did – I mean, they used him to run it in on the goal line a lot. Now a lot of those are going to go to Stevenson, to Harris, and to the tight ends. I mean, those yeah. are the guys that are going to be getting those short touchdowns now instead of Cam, whereas Cam, you know, was probably going to vulture about, say, seven of those. I feel like that's a fair number. Um, you know, he, he was going to vulture a couple of those. Um, so Harris, to me, benefits there. Um but kind of where where White games, I think Harris is probably a bit of a loser, and it, it probably evens out. I want to hear your guys' take on this. But I think he's probably on the field a little bit less. Now, am I dramatically worried about that? No. I, I think with a better passing game, it, it, everything is just going to even it out, itself out. But I, I do think he's probably going to be on the field a, a lower percentage because James White didn't really serve that important of a role with Cam Newton. With Mac Jones, I think he's going to be on the field a little bit more often. Uh, Chris?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. You know, Najee Harris, they played Alabama, so there is some familiarity there. Hopefully, they, you know, everything I'm kind of hearing out of training camp in this offseason is they are losing Harris a little bit more in a passing game. Uh, mm-hmm. Dana and I had kind of discussion about this, you know, on our show and we were really kind of debating whether or not he's going to be utilized. Is he going to just be strictly that Swing Michelle role where he's only running the ball, or like a little bit of Rex Burkhead options where Rex Burkhead's going to be moved on? And you kind of saw him kind of using the combination role where he's able to run the ball and also catch the ball. I'm hopeful that Josh McGann has kind of learned his, his lesson by being predictable and maybe tries to utilize Harris a bit more in the passing game because I think the Patriots are too easy to kind of game plan if you know it's going to be whoever's in the backfield. This is basically what the play is going to be called.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, Justin, do you think anyone, uh, any Patriots players, really lose out because of, of the switch from Cam to Mac?
3: Um, see, I actually think it's quite the opposite. I mean, I don't think anybody really loses out at that point. You know, to your point, Damian Harris might not see the field as much, but that actually might benefit his health right. because he was running into problems last year where he was getting hyper utilized and he ended up having a problem. I think he missed like four games last year, right? Four six games, somewhere around there. But um, now they got Ramondre Stevenson to mix it up. They got J.J. Taylor to mix it up with James White because James White's had injury problems in the past it's going to be it's going to be a highly functional offense now without cam because it's not going to be as predictable anymore. And to your guys' points, I I honestly don't see anybody losing out in this offense. I think everybody takes a w except for cam because he's looking for a job, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think he's got enough money to pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think cam will be all right
1: on his own uh his own social media. He said do not feel sorry for him. So uh take that for pro- what for what you will. Uh, finally, what, what's the outlook on the man himself, Mac Jones? Uh, what What's the fantasy outlook there? Is he someone that you, week one, are starting in, say, a super flex? I think we can all agree that he's not someone, at least week one, that we're throwing in, in a, a standard one quarterback. But it, say you're in a super flex. Is he a starter? Is he a top 24?
2: Yeah, I think – I think you have to just have to consider him as a possibility. I mean, it's hard to kind of bank on a rookie, especially, you know, we kind of still kind of learning what he's going to be able to bring to the table. But if they're going to be running the old Patriot offense, which in a lot of ways we think they're going to, Tom Brady had a lot of volume, so you expect Matt Jones to kind of have that volume opportunity there. They play a tough division, and, you know, with some of the defenses, not the Jets, exactly, but the Dolphins have a good pass <laughs> defense. Uh, you know, the Bills have a good pass rush. So it'll be interesting to kind of see will he be somebody that kind of hits the, you know, the ground in and, and running, or is he kind of somebody they kind of have the training wheels on and kind of ease him into the action? I wouldn't be brave enough to start him week one, but I do think he's going to be somebody by the midseason you're definitely going to have in your life in the Superflexes.
3: Yeah, I, I have to agree with Chris on the sense that I would not start him week one because that Dolphin secondary is nasty. Um, but from week one on, I would be no problem with it because he's got everything between the ears. And that is – that is kind of why he's got the job. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's because Cam wasn't vaccinated." No, it's because when and when it came push Cam to sub in the preseason, he was just making all the smartest throws. He was doing a great job. I mean, I thought that Christian Wilkerson was going to come on just because he looked so good when Mac Jones was on the field, just to have like another depth piece that worked well with Mac. Unfortunately, he got a uh, KO'd, but you know, I, I think he is a. Uh, 100% a go for Superflex Leagues after week one. I'm going to quote that after week one because Xavier Howard and that defense is nasty. They're, going to be, they're a low key, like top five defense this year. All right. One, one last uh,
1: little question uh, before we wrap it up, make it to the next quarterback competition. Say that what I, I think we all agree uh say what we think is going to happen that first week where it's a, a tough outing for the rookie with for mac jones um he, he maybe he scores let's just throw out like 13 to 16 fantasy points in the mid-teens right does that make him a buy to you like are you as, again in a super flex i don't i think we're in agreement that so probably not a, a top 12 qb fantasy wise uh, immediately um But in a super flex, you're like, all right, he just had a bad performance week one. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to go get that
0: guy.
3: I you want to go, Chris? I think, yeah. Go ahead. I
2: was going to say, I think so. I mean, I think that's something you're not going to try to assume too much off of week one. You know, As Justin kind of pointed out, they're playing a definite tough secondary. You expect it to get a lot easier. Like you said, you're going to play a at Jets at least twice a season, so that's a nice little play there. Um, and I think that you have a guy that you look, is going to probably get more and more comfortable as the season progresses. So it's not somebody I'd be afraid of if he doesn't kind of, he kind of has an average week one. It's somebody that I definitely would try to get my hands on sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Justin?
3: Yeah, no, I you know, I, I think if he has a bad week one, that's the perfect time to go get him because 100% every rookie is going to have a bad week at some point, right? And people are kind of just like waiting for that to happen. So when it happens week one, it gets, it's so fresh in your mind that you start to think, oh, this is just going to be a continuous thing. And that's when you jump on it and be like, hey, can I get this guy from you? That's 100%. When you, if he has a bad week one, go out and buy him if he has a good week one, uh maybe hold back for a second <laughs> because i think the market will go a little bit too high for him. Um yeah, i he, like chris said, he's bound to play the jets. He's going to play the jets twice. So he's going to have really good weeks. And then, you know, the bills, the bill secondary is a little suspect other than Tredavious White. So, he'll have some he'll have some really good weeks, but you know, i i going back to the question, he's definitely a buy. For me, if, Adam, if he has a bad week one. My I have a quick question for you on this
2: topic. Sure. Um, not Superflex necessarily, but you're a dynasty guy. How does you know Matt Jones getting on the field sooner than later affect his where you take him in a, in a dynasty league? Well, I
1: mean, for me personally, I, I don't think I could justify taking, and I know this is probably unpopular with a lot of people. I know in this environment, I think it probably isn't. I could not justify to myself taking Trey Lance over Mac Jones today in a dynasty draft. I couldn't do it personally. Um, I, I know a lot of people would, would just take the upside. I just don't think that Trey Lance will be starting for a while, whereas I think Mac Jones will be that guy now. And I I think Mac Jones will have proven himself as the franchise quarterback before Trey Lance has taken a regular season snap. And that's not necessarily a knock to Trey Lance in this instance. Like He could still be very good after that. But Matt Jones just has the head start. Um, we're going to have three of the five rookie quarterbacks starting early. Um, we know Justin Fields is going to be pretty soon. We don't. We just don't know what the timeline for Trey Lance is. It could be, you know, the, the 49ers have a relatively soft schedule early. If Jimmy Garoppolo starts off really hot, he could just run with it all season. And, I mean, are they going to – bench jimmy g at seven and two like, no they're not gonna do that um so if, if they start off really strong then you know trey lance might wait a year and then <laughs> next off season when he hasn't started for a while then you go buy trey lance that's when you're if you are a trey lance guy that's when you go make that that move but as of now i, I would have to take mac jones earlier so I think that's the biggest moving piece in regards to him starting early.
3: Yeah, I totally back that because Mac Jones is being drafted at least two rounds later than Trey Lance's, if not way later in some leagues because some people reach so high for him. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it because you know, to your point, Adam, Mac is starting right away. Trey right. is going to be on going to be riding the bench. We know week one because he just got, you know, a finger injury. Mm -hmm. For sure, he's right in the bench week one. And then, like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hot. You know, we could be waiting until week 10, even their bye week, you know, for them to put him in. And by then, you know, is his value really that much worth it compared to Mac Jones, who's been starting and probably been putting up really good games? It's not. I mean, unless you have, like, three quarterbacks that you're confident in and you're just taking the upside on Trey Lance, that's fine. But otherwise, yeah, that exactly. Yeah.
1: That, that's the one situation. If you are in a, if you, if your quarterback position is settled, then yeah, I just take the upside. If, if you want, that's perfectly fine. But if you're hoping for that guy to be like a bi-week guy, or if he's your third or fourth quarterback, I, I would mm-hmm. lean back. Um, but moving on from that, uh, Denver. Uh, this is another situation where I, I think we'll agree outside of maybe a guy or two. I, I think it's mostly benefits across the board. Uh, Bridgewater has been uh, chosen over Drew Locke. Um, I guess my thoughts are that the only guy you could maybe even potentially consider this a downgrade for would be someone like Hamler who's that that deep threat type guy. Um, you know, Bridgewater would maybe not push it down the field as much whereas Locke is definitely trigger happy i mean i don't think uh there's any questions there he may not be great <laughs> may not be accurate but he will throw it down the field not and accurate. that's something that there's um, some question marks with, with bridgewater but otherwise anyone anyone else anyone who's someone you want to just be catching a high percentage of the passes judy for instance I-, I think they benefit uh chris what do you think
2: and I think you make an excellent point. I mean, I really don't think anybody def- – that's kind of some of the New England situation. I don't think there's any really downside for anybody offensively. I can understand some of the the K.J. Hamler concerns, but we saw, you know, D.J. Moore be used as that kind of deep threat last year in Carolina, and and he's still very heavily involved fantasy-wise. Mm-hmm. So Bridgewater can push the ball down the field enough if he needs to. I think all of them actually benefit because there's actually going to be more than one mouth being fed each game where I think we saw Drew Locky pretty much could focus on that one receiver, and that's pretty much all he could actually feature. You're going to see Teddy Bridgewater kind of be like a point guard out there, trying to get everybody involved, which I think is going to really thrive and help this offense a lot. You have multiple weapons, the tight end position, you have, you know, O'Connor receivers. Cortland Sutton's coming back from injury. So I think the Judy guy, like like Judy who runs precise routes, is going to benefit. I think Cortland Sutton benefits. I think the whole offense in general, this offense really struggled to score points last year. And I think now that you're going to have a guy that can kind of get the ball in the playmaker's hands, this team could actually take a big jump.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, I agree. There are a ton of uh of playmakers there. Uh, Justin, do you worry that there's not going to be enough touchdowns to go around? I mean, I I believe Teddy Bridgewater's career high in touchdowns. I might be off by a couple here. I think it's like fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in there. Um, so do you think that that's a problem for
3: fantasy owners of any of the Denver guys? Oh yeah, I mean that's always a concern. Um, yeah, that was his total from last year. It was I believe fifteen. And he – I so here's my thing. I like the upside of Bridgewater because he spreads the ball down. He can spread it downfield. He can spread it intermediate. He does it a lot of short passes. But what I like about this Denver team is that they have a great tight end in Noah Fant, and I think this is the year he finally gets involved, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is the key there where Teddy Bridgewater didn't really have anybody like that, you know, Ian Thomas was obviously like he was useless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was a paddle on a sinking ship. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's going to be key in the red zone because he offers a big target with good hands and he runs like a receiver. You know, he ran a four or five. So, mm-hmm. He's fast, he can get off the blocks, and he can beat any linebacker out there. And then all he has to do is have Bridgewater find him, which obviously Drew Locke could never do, <laughs> which is why he's in that situation because he's incredibly inaccurate and you know can't read anything to save his life. But, um, yeah, I think that Noah Fant's going to benefit the most from that from the touchdowns on that. And I think Bridgewater's going to be just fine getting touchdowns. You know, he's got Judy and Cortland Sutton. He's got Cortland Sutton who can stretch the field. He's got Judy who can catch the 10-yard passes. And then he's got Fant who can score. And then he's got a plethora of running backs. Melvin Gordon's good at catching the ball. You know, Javante Williams, we haven't really seen too much about his pass catching abilities, but, you know, he's a hell of a bowling ball when it comes to running it right up the middle. So I think that Denver offense is going to be um, full tilt boogie with Bridgewater as their quarterback. Yeah, I mean,
1: I definitely think that uh, Bridgewater is an improvement there. Um, don't forget,
2: and- don't forget, Bridgewater pointed out how Carolina didn't even practice red zone plays before going into games last year, and that was a big knock he had going to Denver. I think Pat Shermer definitely practices red zone plays before <laughs> each week. Yeah,
1: I mean. That That is a very good point. I mean, if if they aren't practicing it, then how is he going to – just not really in a position to succeed <laughs> throwing touchdowns and hammering it in the end zone and also not having uh, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, uh, he's an incredibly productive piece of that offense that he just really never had. Um, so, I, I mean, I think Bridgewater can at, at least reproduce what he did last year, if not um, improve upon it. Um, Moving down to his former division, uh, we're going to go to the Saints in New Orleans, who, you know, just suffered an awful hurricane, which was uh, very tragic. Um, I believe the Saints now, are they playing in Dallas or at LSU or something? I know that they said the first uh, four games or so, uh, they won't be playing in New Orleans. Uh, do, Do you know if they figured out where?
2: I don't think they've figured out where yet, but they are practicing in Dallas as of right okay. now. So I'm not sure if they've decided whether they're going to have the games. Will they be away games? But they are practicing in Dallas. Okay.
1: okay. Um. Well, in in Dallas, uh, Jameis Winston's the guy taking the QB one snaps as of now. Uh, now this this one I, I think is a little bit more interesting fantasy wise. I, I think that this is still um, most of the receivers are kind of on the the they benefit. But how how does this fare for Alvin Kamara? Uh, Jameis Winston is a guy that is a very heavy downfield passer type of guy. Um, So what does that mean for Kamara? Is he going to get those checkdowns from Winston? I know um, some people have mentioned that Winston just didn't really check down to his running backs in Tampa.
2: Others have mentioned he didn't have running
1: backs to check down
2: too. Was he checking it down to Peyton Barber? Was that the problem? Because <laughs> yeah. I think that might be a, a little bit different than checking down to Alvin Kamara.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs>
1: so, um. so I'm going to take it that you, you Chris, are not
2: uh, concerned about Alvin Kamara. No, I actually think this is a, it could be actually a boost for Alvin Kamara. I think you're going to be able to utilize him even more as a chess piece where Taysom Hill, he was kind of stuck being face pretty, pretty primary running back because Taysom Hill is going to struggle to you know, full feature multiple receivers. I think James Winston's already shown you in his past he can push the ball down the field, he can get the ball to different guys. I think this is going to be more a pass-happier team with him under center than it would be with Taysom Hill under center. So I think it actually benefits Kamara a lot.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, you very well could be right there. Um, I, I imagine you have to buy one of them, right? Because this is going to be a pretty good passing offense. Uh, but there's a lot of questions of which receiver um, from this, this team are you going to buy? Who do you think um, you know, is going to benefit for the most from Jameis? Uh, is it Callaway? He had a fantastic preseason game receiving mostly from Jameis
3: himself. Um, So is that who you're going at? Uh, Justin, we'll leave with you. Yeah, it's definitely Callaway. Um, Traquan Smith has been kind of absent and in his absence, somebody has ascended and it's Marquez Callaway. He, he looks good as a deep threat. You know, he looks like he can run all the routes to until Michael Thomas gets back. He just might end up being the guy. And I'm very impressed with Sean Payton's work, you know, shout out to Sean Payton. He is taken somebody who literally threw 30 interceptions and made him like I wanna I want Jameis Winston. I want to go get Jameis Winston. I I've never uttered those words. <laughs> 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 but I feel comfortable getting him. Even in leagues where you get deducted like two two points for an interception, I feel comfortable getting him because Sean Payton made him look so good in preseason that I I'm a believer. I'm a believer of what he's uh what he's capable of doing. And, I mean, he's obviously got the arm to do it. He just – he never had, you know, maybe it was the confidence or, you know, the coach motivating him. But whatever. Whatever it is, Sean Payton seems to have him on track. So I'm going with Marquez Calloway. Traquan Smith I think is going to be the third receiver, maybe even not that um, when uh, Michael Thomas gets back. Yeah. He just doesn't look that good to me, to be honest. And he hasn't looked good for the two seasons he's been in the league.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely could (laughs) not blame you there. I'm not high on Drake Smith at all. Um, I want to talk about those tight ends, but we're going to get to them a little later. Um, First, we'll move over to, um, let's move over to the bears next. Uh, So Andy Dalton, this is one where I think we're kind of hitting that opposite. Andy Dalton's a starter over Justin Fields. um, And to be honest, the only person who benefits from Andy Dalton to me is David Montgomery. And and that's, if that, uh, he might benefit from it just because fields might vulture some touchdowns and take some of the running away. Um, That being said, Montgomery might be a more efficient runner with fields in uh, just because there will be a little bit more pressure. Um, But as far as the pass catchers go, I don't know. Is there is
2: there anyone you think that really benefits from Andy Dalton, Chris? I don't think anybody benefits, but I don't think anybody's necessarily hurt in the passing game. Um, Andy Dalton did a pretty good job involving the Dallas receivers last year. Amari Cooper was still pretty productive. CD Lamb still, you know, upcoming star was still very productive. So he has some. He's in, in you know, passing in Cincinnati. He was able to get the ball to AJ Green consistently. So I think Allen Robinson is still going to eat. That's not a concern for anybody. Montgomery, you know, thing, I think you make a great point. I think you're going to have a trade off in standard leagues. Maybe Montgomery has a little bit, you know, less value in some senses because he's not going to maybe get the same amount of touchdowns. Maybe doesn't seem efficiency. But then maybe in PPR, he's more valuable because you're going to see a lot more checkdowns versus Justin Fields tucking and running. So -hmm. I think you might see a little bit of a kind of change in what the values are for some of these guys. But I think overall, it doesn't really hurt anybody too much in the passing game. I think you're going to still kind of see. You know, Cole Clement and Jimmy Graham kind of be utilized. Regardless if Fields was out there, they probably utilized just a similar way. We saw you know, Dalton Schultz be utilized last year. We saw different guys being for Andy Dalton, I've heard, back in Cincinnati days. So tight end position will be somebody who still gets the ball. I just think overall this offense might not be sufficient with him as a quarterback than it would be with Justin Fields. And that might be something similar, kind of similar to the Denver situation that might actually hurt you because you're not going to have as many sustained drives. You're not going to have to many consistent points opportunities. And that might be something that kind of knocks this offense down.
1: Right. I would almost say that, I, I guess I get your point, Allen Robinson's probably about the same regardless. Um, I, I do think that someone, I think Marquise Goodwin could be valuable in best ball with fields, and I don't feel that way with Dalton. I mean, I just think at this point, Dalton, he can push the field down or push the ball down the field to someone like Robinson, but he he, I just don't think he can unwind it. To someone like Goodwin, um, when you're going super, super deep down the field, and that may be to an extent similar with some of the other uh, more depth receivers on the Bears, but I I don't think that you're really targeting those guys too too much in fantasy, anyways, outside of best ball or, or super deep leagues. Uh, Justin, so, your thoughts or Chris, we'll go to you. All right, Chris. Sorry. I was just going to
2: ask you. I was just going to ask you real quick, Adam and Justin as well. You know, one of the big flavors of the month right now is Darnell Mooney. On you know, all the rumors out of Camp Heist, is lighting it up. So, mm-hmm. so kind of the Marquise with thing you're saying. Do you think a Dalton being the quarterback is actually going to hinder someone like a Darnell Mooney, who's known
0: for his speed and being able to attack, you know, down the field? I mean, I think that's.
1: It remains to be seen because, I see, Goodwin, I just think we know what he is at this point. Like, he is just not just, but primarily a deep threat, right?
2: No, he is just a deep threat. Yeah, he is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't want to hurt him like that, but regardless, uh, Mooney could be someone that you use in a role on crossers and all of, you know, have him on in route stuff like that, where it's slants, not, you know, as intensive as a route runner, but you're still utilizing that speed if you're not necessarily just doing streaks, right? Um, That to me is more of a Nagy versus laser question than it is a a Fields versus Dalton one. um, I would almost say, well, I think Fields might be able to get a little more out of him. If the, the offensive play calling was competent, I think Dalton could get the ball to him perfectly fine. I just don't know that I trust Najee to
3: do that yeah I think that um, I think that Mooney would probably benefit more from a pocket quarterback than a Fields I, and not to say that Fields wouldn't benefit him I just think that you know having that pocket presence and really letting a, a route develop rather than you know scrambling around and having to have the receivers come back on the routes. I think that's where more of like an Allen Robinson experienced vet, somebody who really knows how to do that, would benefit more. And maybe even a Montgomery, somebody who would, you know, be outside and see that his quarterback scrambling around, come down the middle, and then he can hit him there. Uh, one guy that I think would actually really benefit from Andy Dalton would be Cole Komet because of the years in Cincinnati with Tyler Eifert. And, um, and you throw Jimmy Graham in there too. But just tight ends in general, because he fed Tyler Eifert whenever Eifert was on the field. Mm-hmm. So I think that's somebody who could really benefit from it. But um, yeah, I mean it, that's a that's another battle that is kind of interesting. I, I really I want to know what you guys think about that. How long do you think it takes for Field to be, you know, playing, starting?
1: I see. I think it should be pretty early. I, I to me. Fields looked like the better quarterback in preseason. That's not to say that Dalton can't play. I don't think we're looking at, um, you know, some of the same situations like, a, like a, a Bridgewater lock where I just don't think lock is that good. I think Dalton's fine. Um, I, I just think Fields kind of edged him out. Um, not enough for it to be just a clear cut, you have to start Fields, but enough to where I think the majority of people were wanting Fields. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be calls for – for uh, Dalton to get benched almost as soon as they're down. And I don't necessarily think that's Dalton's fault. I almost feel bad for the guy as someone from the Cincinnati area. But I, I do think that's the situation. Um, and eventually that pressure is just going to be too much for Najee and it's going to be his job or put or put uh, Fields out there. And obviously I think he's going to choose putting Fields out there and keeping a job.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take a kind of roundabout answer for this one, Justin, because for me, I think it's going to totally depend on the pass protection. I think if, if Peters is totally done and he can't protect, this offensive line isn't very good, particularly the tackle position. And Dalton's going to get killed back there. So I think if he's getting murdered back there and you know, they basically realize they can't move the ball as a result of that, you're going to see Justin Fields sooner than later. If they're able to protect a little bit and the defense is kind of keeping them in games, I think it's going to prolong how long it takes for them to bring Andy Dalton in the game so it could be around midseason. But I think that's going to be the keys protection. I think you know the eagle if the Bears can move the ball with Dalton quarterback and they're not just getting you know constantly in third and seventeen because of sack situations, then you know he'll be out there. But if it's going to be something right off the bat in about know, two three games in the season, you just see basically he's getting smacked around. Then I think you're going to have Justin Fields out there sooner than later. That's
3: a very good answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really even think about that. You know, yeah, Peters is pretty old now. And, you know, he's had, what, countless – he's had probably, like, two or three ACL surgeries, too. So he's – yeah, I mean – 39 so. years young. <laughs> and they still got rid of the tackle, though. <laughs> hey, man. Andrew Whitworth is still doing it in his 40s. <laughs> true. This is true. All right. Um, is there anything we – I feel like
1: we kind of almost crossed upon it. Does anyone have anything to say on the Garoppolo uh, Lamp situation? Hasn't already been kind
3: of touched on. I, I got something to say. I yeah, mean, real quick. So I know you guys aren't the biggest Lance guys. Um, so I'm I'm a 49er fan through and through. Um, personally, I like Trey Lance because he offers more. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of those quarterbacks that you know he they they created touches for him last year just so he can get his confidence going. I don't know what happened when he tore his ACL against the Chiefs, but something happened there and he's never been the same. And he came back and he's been hesitating. And sometimes when he hesitates, he throws interceptions. And so what I'm just getting at here is that um I'm I'm one of those I it's it's a hard situation to to figure out with that because One side, you got Trey Lance. He did not look consistent at all. He was – I think he had a 46% completion rating for the entire preseason, which was terrible, absolutely garbage. But when he did make plays, he made them count. So you kind of see that high upside play for him. And Jalen Hurts. (laughs) Hey, Jalen Hurts, yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Jalen Hurts also played really well against some of the best defenses. So, you know. Um, But for me, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's probably going to end up going right when he starts having those two interception games because Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't want to deal with that stuff. You know, he would throw in Nick Mullins. So that's what I had to say on that one is once the moment that Jimmy G hesitates, it's going to be game over for him. And I hope Trey Lance is ready. And I think that he has the mentality to – be great at the next level. I mean, not everybody was a superstar of the rookie year. Peyton Manning, everybody. Peyton Manning was not a superstar his rookie year. I'm not saying Trey Lance Peyton Manning. I'm just saying. No. You know, don't discount the guy just yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I definitely can't blame you. He does have some uh, interesting physical tools. I don't hate the guy like Chris does. <laughs> I just prefer some other guys, you know? Um, yeah, so, so moving on to the guys who are – I guess, No, we'll hit Washington football team really quick. Um, I think we all assumed that Fitzpatrick was the guy over uh, Heinke, but does that really push the needle any which way uh, for anyone?
2: I think it ensures for me at least that I, I trust the receivers a lot more than I would have if Heinke was the quarterback. I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table. We know what Fitzpatrick's going to do. He's going to push that ball. He's going to throw it down the field. So, I think he's definitely like, makes me more confident in tackling some of the receivers, particularly here at McLaurin, where I think he may creep up higher in my board that he would definitely than he would have if Hanky was the quarterback. And I also think the running backs benefit in my book. I think you're going to see them be able to, you know, Fitzpatrick also likes to check the ball down. We really didn't know what Hanky was going to do with you know, involving the running backs. So, I think for me, it just kind of ensures that I trust the Washington offense to be more aggressive than Fitzpatrick at quarterback, than it is not. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I I think that's the big thing is there's just a lot of unknowns with what it would have been if it wasn't Fitzpatrick. Go ahead, Justin.
3: Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I I was just going to add on, I think Logan Thomas has uh, a better ceiling now with Fitzpatrick because, you know, Logan Thomas is going to get a lot of passes. Taylor Haneke did not look very solid throughout the preseason. You know, he he looked like what he is, a backup quarterback, Mm -hmm. like a high-level, high-functioning backup quarterback. Yeah. And at least Fitzpatrick can come in there and he'll have you know supernova games where like he just goes off the wire. Probably it's gonna be against you know the Eagles. <laughs> 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 Lock oh, him in yeah. with best ball <laughs> because he played the Eagles and the Cowboys twice. But you know Logan Thomas to me is gonna have a better ceiling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Obviously, Terry is gonna have a better ceiling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And what, to what Chris said, Antonio Gibson, I think, is going to have a better ceiling with Fitzpatrick. He's going to check down more to him. He's going to trust him. We all. I hope we don't all forget that Antonio Gibson was a receiver in college. Um, exactly. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh, J D. McKissick, J D. McKissick, like the guy literally that picked up the run game and had an amazing year. Oh yeah, he also played four year or three years of college receiver. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chris, I think it was you mentioned
1: it on one of the first shows that that I was on uh, here. It, he's a very talented receiver. It's just, can he get better in pass pro? And if he does, he's going to blow up like as a, a receiver because he, he can do a lot with the ball in his hands in open space. It's not about that. It's just, you know, it, do you trust him as the, the guy in the pass game? I mean, he's got the frame to figure it out. I, I haven't seen enough to know whether he has or hasn't, but if he has, the upside is enormous with him.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Um, so I will kind of fly through, I think, uh, some of the quarterbacks who who didn't really have much of a challenge um, in, in their position. Uh, Trevor Lawrence um, looked all right. The Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely did not. Uh, what are your guys uh justin we'll start with you what's your thoughts on the uh, the uh the jaguars offense in general and and i guess we'll we'll do the same question we did for mac jones are you locking in trevor lawrence who is this this generational quarterback talent are you locking
3: him in as a super flex guy week one um not at his price definitely not at his adp price i um you You look back at the Saints game and the talent around him just looked absolutely atrocious. Like uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't get away from that game quick enough because I was just you know, you look at it and you're like, these are NFL players, but every one of those wide receivers couldn't get open. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because Lavishka Chenault has so much you know hype behind him this year. What was he doing? I mean, he couldn't even make a screen pass work. You know, and then, you know, Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones is gonna be the saving grace to this guy because he can actually, you know, catch a deep pass and you know, he's gonna take he's gonna get a couple catches and take it upfield. But, you know, I, I worry about DJ Chark. I've never been a DJ Chark fan. I think he really lacks route running talent. And to be honest with you, I think his greatest trait is that he's just a big receiver. And, I mean, he's he's maybe a little fast, but, I mean, you know, Darius hayward Bay was a big fast receiver, and look what that got him <laughs> in his career.
1: Um, for reference on that ADP comment, uh, at least on Fantasy Pros, Trevor Lawrence is going as quarterback 14. So that's ahead of Matt Ryan, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Tua Jameis, uh, Carr, Roethlisberger, Mayfield, you know, a, lo- a lot of guys that – uh at least have better supporting casts. They may not be better than Trevor Lawrence, but they have better supporting casts. Even, even I mean, on the other side of the field from him in that preseason game, Jameis Winston, who has a very inexperienced uh, receiver group, they sure looked a lot better than than what was surrounding uh, the Jags and that, or uh, Trevor Lawrence on the Jags. I, I think that that will change to an extent. I, I do still have some faith in that receiver group, but the Jags as a whole, I don't. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stood out most to me is their offensive the line is pathetic and it's just yeah. basically will not be past protect for him to save his life. And as a result, people like a DJ Shark, people like a Jones are going to suffer because it's going to be hard for you know, Lawrence to push the ball down the field. You might see Chanel be able to utilize him a little bit more just because he's going to be that screen guy, he's going to be the underneath guy. But I think overall, Trevor Lawrence hasn't isn't somebody that I'm necessarily going to you know have super confidence in. Now, super flex, I might pull him out there because I think there's, he's got some upside. They do play you know in a pathetic division where a lot of defenses aren't the greatest. So I think and you know, have a lot of garbage points, too, because that defense in Jacksonville is not the greatest. Having said that, I'm not a big fan of their system. I'm not a big battle fan. I'm not a big Schottenheimer fan as a passing coordinator. I just think it's just, it's just asinine to make sense. Schottenheimer and passing game just don't go together. <laughs> um, and then you have... Basically, a guy that a lot of people love his legs, and Dan and I had kind of this debate on our show. I, I point out the college stats for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is not a big-time runner. He can run. He's a hell of an athlete. He doesn't run a lot, though, and I don't think he's going to be in a position to run a lot. So that's where you're kind of expecting people. A lot of people are thinking banking on this guy's going to be his mobile threat, and that's why you can use legs will save you. I'm not assuming this guy going to be the case, so I don't have the same kind of you know confidence. Trevor Lawrence going to be the 14th guy, as you kind of pointed out with his other guys. Who I like with their situations a little bit more and their running count a lot more
1: yeah um yeah, it's just a really interesting situation. I mean, Chris, we've talked about it here on the show uh before literally like the only and I don't even want to say glaring weakness, but the only weakness without being super nitpicky of Lawrence um, that you could really make was that his release is a little it's not the fastest. And, of course, that's going to be what's going to be an issue here, right? Because they're not doing anything. There's one thing that he – I don't even want to say struggles with because it's not awful. It's just that, like, if you're going to say one bad thing about him, it's – he's a big dude. He's got long arms. It takes a while, right? And you're not going to give him that time. So that does worry me uh, a little bit. I think I'm still
2: concerned about him reading defenses. I don't think he processes the field as quickly as people think he does. He had a lot of easy reads in Clemson, are a lot of screen passes. So I think when you see him actually have to process and kind of look scan the field, you kind of saw that in preseason. He struggled against that second and third receiving option.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I do think that at his current ADP, it, I I wouldn't touch him. Uh, anyone, yeah. <laughs> anyone disagree there?
3: no, not at all yeah uh, i I, w- I would I would be drafting him and superflex as my third quarterback, yeah. and that's just me some people i don't know i want to ask this question to you guys um you guys have been drafting right yeah um so what's the highest you've seen him go
2: I seen him go like around eight nine yeah, I was gonna say I've seen him definitely as
3: a qB one before. So our, our so you're talking um, first round, right? Oh, uh, like in a rookie draft or like like a
2: startup draft? Oh, I don't, uh, that's, that's Adams. That's Adams' thing. That's yeah. Not me. No,
1: I, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen him go lit, like mid to late first round in the startup draft. Yeah,
3: that dynasty. Isn't that, isn't that freaking crazy? Yeah. I saw him go twelve the other day, and I was like. What is going on? It was bar. It was a super flex, but I was I was still baffled by it. I was like, "What's going on here? Like, how are you going to take, um, maybe the tenth best quarterback at that point over getting like a Nick or getting over like an Alvin Kamara or something like that? Like, you know, you on the flip side, the return I got Derrick Henry in that draft.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just second round. It's just one of those situations where people are so used to valuing that youth in dynasty where even in Superflex it's just not as important as people make it out to be at the quarterback position um, i mean like what is the difference between a like a 25 year old guy who's proven that he's a good quarterback already and a, a 21 22 year old guy who we pretty sure is a good good player bad system but pretty sure he's a good player yeah i i mean you know a 25 year old running back and a 21 uh twenty one year old running back, that's a big difference. Receiver, me like intermediate difference. Quarterback, to me, I'd just rather have the guy that I are like is a known commodity versus mm-hmm. versus the unknown. I mean, I just to me I, I'm expecting any franchise like true franchise quarterback, anyone that I'm drafting in the first couple rounds in a dynasty draft, I'm expecting that they're a starting caliber quarterback until their mid thirties at least, or I'm not picking them there. That's like, just, I I mean, obviously injuries happen and people fall off and what have you, like things happen, but that is what you're like aiming to get at that point. So if you're expecting that, then 10 years of, of a Mahomes or some of the other guys who are a couple years in, right. Of a, a Lamar or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, versus getting that extra
3: 13 versus 10 I mean you know I, I don't know um yeah and and you don't you you hit it hit the nail right on the head you don't actually know you just have what everybody's telling you in his draft capital to prove that he's worth that pick
0: but you look at somebody like a Patrick Mahomes
3: Guys got MVPs. Guys throwing forty touchdowns in a season. Guys thrown for over four thousand yards every year since he's been in the league. Like that's solid proof that he's worthy of a number one pick,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? Yeah. Rather than you know, and, and you said it too, like the system. I always I always think about the system. You know, I don't I don't trust the Jaguars. I don't trust the receivers. You know, ETN's gone, so I really don't even trust that he has like a real connection with somebody like there. I mean, i I'm sure. He'll develop it as the year goes on, but you know, if it if it came down to him or Russell Wilson, I'm taking Russell Wilson every day.
1: Exactly, exactly, hundred um, percent. And I, I say all these things. He's still my rookie QB one. It's just that yeah. the gap between him and next up is just it's too big. It it is. Right. Um. So I don't know. Moving on, the other uh, quarterback who's pretty much locked into their starting role, Zach Wilson. I mean, a lot of guys were. Just not after the draft for whatever reason, people turned on him very quickly. Uh, I think he's at least started to prove some guys wrong. I don't want to take the preseason as gospel and like, oh, like he's here, guys. Like yeah, he didn't, he hasn't done anything yet. Like of of reality, right? But I mean, he's trending upwards. He looks like like what we thought he was going to be, which is a, a very good NFL quarterback. Chris, I I know you you love you some Zach
2: Wilson. What are you? I do I do love me some Zach Wilson. I mean, I think to your point, I don't want to read too much into the preseason, but I think it shows he belongs. I think so Mm -hmm. far that he's you know he belongs in the league. He belongs in the in the conversation with the up and coming young quarterbacks. I think that he pretty much did what we hoped he would do. He was very pretty accurate with the ball. He he made some you know off platform throws, made some nice you know um, improvised plays. I think he carried, and a lot of this was out there, you know, your young phenom, your boy Elijah Moore out there. So I think that you saw Zach Wilson, you know, play the quarterback position pretty well. And you also saw him kind of lock onto the number one receiver in Corey Davis, which is something that, you know, I've always talked about for years and years and years that when you have a rookie quarterback or young quarterback, their first read is probably going to get the ball a lot of the time. So you're going to love to have that number one receiver in that offense because they're going to get featured way more than you would probably expect them to because that's their first read. That's who they're going to get the ball to. And when you're a Zach Wilson kind of guy and you can make different kind of throws and you can throw off the back, you know, your back foot and you can kind of get the ball down the field, different places, you're going to be able to feature that number one receiver. And I think Corey Davis is a guy that you kind of saw it has to be on people's fantasy radars and somebody's ADP is ridiculously low right now and kind of forgotten about, but it's probably going to be that number, number one target on that Jets offense. And I think Zach Wilson is going to be somebody that we definitely want to, you know, have as streaming purposes this year, maybe some super flexes. Um, and I think that also shows you that this guy isn't, you know, a typical Jets quarterback. He's not Sam Darnold.
1: Yeah. 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 I agree. I, I mean, I, I like a lot of what the Jets are doing. I've, people have gotten on me quite a bit. I, I think this Jets team is genuinely going to surprise some people. And I think that's because of what expectations are, right? Like I I think most people accept, expect them to be a bottom-of-the-barrel type of team. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I think the based on what I saw from the preseason, I think the Jets are a tier above where the Jags are, right? That's, again, I'm not easy, trying to – I'm by far not calling the Jets a playoff team, but I think in the eyes of a lot of people, the Jets, the Jaguars, bottom of the NFL is, like, locked in. I – Just don't. I see the Jets as a a different type of team than the Jaguars are. Like I, I I really do. I and I I think as a result of that, a lot of the guys who are a a big part of that Jets offense are going to be fantasy viable. Uh, You know, I love Elijah Moore, but Corey Davis, kind of who you were alluding to, uh, he's going to be a really nice fantasy player, and he's a really great value right now. Um, And you know, whatever. everyone else. I, I, I think getting in on the jets offense is a good call outside of, um, uh, we, we still have another quarterback to talk about, but we can get into this real quick first while we're on the, the jets. What's up with that running back position is Ty Johnson really going to be the guy to start it off. Are we not? I mean, I know Michael Carter hasn't potentially had the best, uh, the best preseason, but I think we know what he can do. And we saw enough of it in training camp. So I, is it going to be Ty Johnson? Is that uh, – I want to keep going back to you, Chris, but I know that Michael Carter's your guy, so I kind
2: of want to keep Yeah, yeah I love that. some of those Jess nucleus pieces. Um, I think you're going to see Tevin Coleman get the opportunity to be the guy kind of start off the season. You're going to see Ty Johnson rotated in there, and you're going to see Michael Carter rotated in there. I think the initial plan is going to try to be to emulate that 49er system where we kind of saw a couple years ago when they had Matt it back there. They kind of rotated different backs and kind of utilized them in different roles. I think it's gonna be the idea. I think it's gonna unfold as the season progresses. I think Michael Carter will show that he's the best player out there and by far the most talented. Kevin Coleman, we know basically he's gonna probably be hurt by week three or four because that's what Kevin Coleman does now. And I think that once that kind of starts unfolding, he gets nicked up a little bit. Ty Johnson is just a guy in my book, so I think that eventually he kind of gets phased out. And I think the offense is gonna realize that they're gonna be more successful when they have guys that can kind of mean more tandem versus rotating three backs. I'm not a big fan of guys. Teams rotating three backs—it doesn't really be—it's not very effective for most teams, and I think just will learn that as the season progresses.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Justin, we'll wrap back to you on both uh, both Zach Wilson. Like, well, what do you think for him? What do you think for the guys around him, and and the the whole running back situation down there? What do you make of all of it? I know that's quite a lot. To, a very loaded question, but uh, you take
3: your time. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think I could put as much glow on it as Chris did. I mean, his face lit up when he was talking about Zach Wilson and Michael Carter. But, um, no, I, I I absolutely love Zach Wilson. Um, I thought the first game Zach Wilson played, he looked kind of unimpressive. But the last two, he has just looks, looked electric. Mm-hmm. Like, he is, he is doing what... Um, him and Matt Jones are doing what a lot of teams want to see from a quarterback from day one, and that's throwing people open. Um, he's got a great connection so far with Corey Davis. I'm not doubting he's going to have a great connection with Elijah Moore. I already know that, that guy's got to go off. Um and then as far as the running back situation, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot like the 49ers running back situation, which it's bad for fantasy because it kind of makes you like go, oh, who am I going to go today? You know, it's going to be Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman or Matt Breida. But at the same time, I think it's going to be good for the, the team as a whole because it's going to keep, you know, it's going to weed out, you know, Tevin Coleman. And it'll probably end up weeding out Ty Johnson, too. Although I can see him having a good game or two. He had a pretty damn good preseason. He looks, you know, he looks fair. But um, for Michael Carter, I actually see him as, like, a second-half player. Like, I I call him like, second-half surge players. Like, they surge you to a, a championship. And, you know, I can see him being somebody who picks up steam right around, like, maybe, like, week eight and just starts rolling with it to week 18. You know, maybe something along the line, what Cam Akers did, where he picked up his steam around week 12 and just started going and going and going. And we just started seeing these dominant performances from this guy who was on the waiver wire. So, I mean, if I were to tell anybody right now what what's a smart move, it would be to put a lot of jets on your watch list. You know, somebody like a Michael Carter, a Corey Davis, if you're not drafting him and redraft, put them on your watch list. And watch real close to every game because once these guys break off, it's not going to be cheap. Yeah. So if you can anticipate the week before, go ahead, just grab it. Um, And then just just a small thing here, the Jets are way better than the Jaguars. <laughs> they, they built their team way better than the Jaguars. I love the way they did the draft this year. They went out, they got their quarterback. They got their running back. They got their wide receiver, and then they got their lineman. That's what you need right there. You already have Mikay Becton. Elijah Tucker is your lineman. You got an explosive uh, running back in the later rounds, and then you got a really good wide receiver, somebody who A.J. Brown thinks is better than him, that wide receiver.
0: Yeah.
3: That's how you build. Take Urban Meyer, take notes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so one last rookie
1: quarterback, then we can talk about some guys with some uh, experience in the league. Uh, Then we'll make this one real, real quick. I don't even know if we'll go all the way around. Anyone have anything to say about Davis Mills?
2: I just want to say, you know, there's a lot of talk about him playing this year, and the reason that I wanted to kind of talk about him was just this guy is what I thought he was. He can't read defenses. He's not going to be. He's not a. To me, he's not a pro quarterback. And I think that you know, this idea that he's going to be the starter sooner than later, and Houston's going to be really sad because this guy is not any good. Yeah, I think he showed that so far.
1: Yeah, I I, I think uh, with with Deshaun Watson listed as other on the depth chart, he's not. There is no backup quarterback. It goes Tyrod Taylor QB one, QB two is blank. QB three <laughs> is Davis Mills, and Deshaun Watson is other. So um, with that, I think Tyrod Taylor is pretty damn safe if there's just a no QB two. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah. that team in the Jets are definitely a tier ahead of because Houston's probably the worst yeah. team in the league by far. Oh haven't shown anything else in the preseason to make me think otherwise.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's them and then a tier, and then we've got what, Jacksonville and Detroit and then a tier. And then maybe we can start talking about someone like the Jets and like the Giants and these other teams. Um, yeah, so moving on to some of the second-year guys, right? Uh, Tua and Jalen Hurts, um, we, and we kind of, guess, got – we can now kind of make this triangle here. Both of them – both those teams have now been connected to – the Texans with the Deshaun, a potential yes. Deshaun Watson trade. And now it doesn't seem like anything is super, super imminent. Uh, despite the, uh, reports earlier, um, in the weekend, it, it seems now it's like, uh, like those teams are definitely interested. No, nothing's changed there, but, uh, just nothing imminent, at least on the Texans end of it. Um, I, I think Mike Lombardi, and I don't know if he was the first person to say this. He's just who i heard it out of personally. Um, said that a a team made an offer that he, in his opinion, the team was insane for making that offer for Deshaun Watson, that that there was a big offer for Deshaun Watson and the Texans are still saying, no, we want, we're going to wait it out. We're going to see what we can get value wise from a clear Deshaun Watson. Obviously we have no idea if that will ever happen. Um, So does, does, that whole fiasco play at all into your mind about drafting a Tua or a Jalen Hurts? And then does the Gardner Minshew trade for Hurts specifically play into your mind at all? Uh, Justin, we'll go to you first.
3: Um, no. I mean, the Gardner Minshew one, maybe, because that just kind of means that they have a sliver of faith in Jalen Hurts in the moment that he starts really messing up. You know, they're going to go to Minshew mania and try and get a couple Ws. But um, as far as the the Watson thing, no, because I don't know what Bill O'Brien did to that front office, uh, whether he just left a running tape of him strategizing and it's just playing constantly (laughs) on the microphone system in there or the speaker system in there. But I don't know what they're trying to get. They're trying to get like three first-rounders and two first-rounders. You realize this guy could be going to jail in a year, right? Like, why not just cash in on whatever two first round deal that you know? I think the probably the Dolphins put up there because they've got so many of them. You know, why not cash in on that and you can get two along with that? Then you got a starting quarterback, and you have two first rounders to build. You know, build that line, get a running back, get a wide receiver, maybe get a defender. I, I yeah. don't know what the what the Texans are really trying to get out of this. I mean. I- now he's just a practice squad defender. Yeah.
1: I mean the, the literally the <laughs> the best I can think of is that I mean we talked about we talk about this with quarterbacks, um you know, young, new to the position guys hesitating. All I can think of is that Nick Casario is hesitating here because this feels like the obvious you need to make this move, get him out. Like he is yeah. there's nothing that having Deshaun Watson right now is helping your team at all and there is a sliver of a chance his value goes up like it's very small yeah I mean I don't know I I think the whole thing's goofy um so I guess Chris does the whole situation does that turn you off of Tua or Jalen um I know I'm not worried about Tua at all personally I guess I'll just throw that out there
2: no, I um I think first of all I want to say both look pretty good so far to pre preseason. I've seen kind of progression in both players. I think two is you know, kind of showing off and hasn't really had his full arsenal of weapons out there. And we saw Jalen Hurts had nothing but good things come out of camp about him. He looked good and solid in the preseason game. I do think the Garden Mitchell tree is a little bit odd to me. It does not make me feel like there's something kind of you know stemming below the surface possibly. Even with that whole Jalen Hurts is being the starter finally today. Um, you know we already kind of always all assumed that was going to be the case, but. The the coaching staff was seeming to make trying to make a situation that he wasn't definitely the clear starter. Joe Flacco was still in that kind of debate. So I do think there is some kind of oddness going on. Just to defend the Texans, and I I hate to do this defend them because I think that you know it's, it's a stupid franchise. And I I argue that not all. They drafted Davis Mills with their third round pick, but um, I will say that the trade that got turned down was just on Deshaun Watson. It was the Eagles offered the trade, and Deshaun Watson used his no trade uh, clause and said he did not want to go to Philadelphia. So this is where it's going to get interesting for the Texans and what they can kind of do and what they can't do to move on. I think the Texans want it to be the Dolphins. I think that's why we keep hearing it through the media. It has to be the Dolphins because they're the team that has the picks, as you know, Justin kind of pointed out, and possibly has the want to with Stephen Ross and the reports about Stephen Ross kind of be interested. But I think overall that team isn't built to have a Deshaun Watson. They don't want to spend a salary cap. They don't want to have necessarily this guy going to be somebody they're going to have to build their team around and pay over the next three to four or five years. This team still has a lot of cap room moving forward. It has pretty good pieces in, in place. So I think that's really what you're hearing is there's not a whole lot of market for this guy. So there's not a whole lot of places he can go. And because he had kind of controls where he wants to go, that's where the situation gets really interesting. Um, I think it's kind of both sides are kind of screwing us so up. Deshaun wants, needs to be out in the field and doesn't need to be so picky. Go where you can go guy. Like you need to be out there. But on the flip side, Think Texans, as you guys kinda of pointed out, is asking for the sun and moon and the stars, and they're gonna be willing to compromise and say, look, we understand the teams are gonna have their, you know, kind of draft capital tied to whether or not this case against Deshaun Watson is found to be guilty or not. And they're kind of looking, you know, we'll offer you a couple of round first round picks, but we want it built into the you know our deals necessarily that these picks can be kind of moved down accordingly if this guy's not gonna be on our team next year or going to jail. So I think yeah. that's where both you know both parties are kind of really at fault. But overall it doesn't make me really affect me how I take Jalen Hurts or um, Tua. I think both of them have some decent upside this year. Both of them have a pretty good uh, – have, like I said, had good camp, had good preseason games, and I think this, this is going to be something the media is kind of driving. It's going to be more of an annoying thing than an actual reality thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, then the other second-year quarterback that we definitely need to talk about, Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I think we all kind of took it for granted that he was going to come back from this injury really well, and it just hasn't been the case yet. And Jamar Chase with him has not looked good at all. Uh, what, what are your, your takes? Uh, I saw you nodding your head, Chris. What, what do you think about Joe Burrow, and what do you think about Jamar Chase?
2: I have some serious concerns about both, particularly Joe Burrow. I think everybody has assumed the Cincinnati offense was going to come out just, you know, being super good. Joe Burrow's EDP was up there. He was being basically a borderline first-round quarterback or first-tier quarterback. Um, I think that necessarily has to the brakes to the be pumped on that kind of idea. To your point, Joe Burrow didn't come back super confident in his knee. And as you know, Justin kind of pointed out, we saw something happen to Jimmy G a couple years ago where he didn't step into his throws the same way. and had the same kind of swagger he had before. Is this something Joe Burrow is kind of kind of go through and has to kind of adjust to himself now, despite having all these nice weapons around him? Everybody kind of assumed because, well, they got Jamar Chase, they got Higgins, they got Ross, they got Mixon catching the ball. Now their offense is going to go out there and score all kinds of points. Is it, or is it going to be a little bit more run-oriented than you kind of expected it to be? And in a tough division, playing in teams like Baltimore and playing teams like Pittsburgh and playing teams like Cleveland, are you going to be a team that basically has to kind of
0: Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call one 800 bets
2: off. Be a little bit more conservative offensively. Don't forget Joe Burrow's numbers came up a lot last year because they're throwing a ball sixty times a game. I think that's right. gonna happen again this year. So mm-hmm. I think that's where you have to kind of pump the brakes on the Joe Burrow love. And I'm definitely concerned with him not playing much in preseason. I think it was stupid he sat there before like, three plays he played, he handed the ball off twice and had one screen throw. What was the point of that? So I think overall, I think that you know I definitely have some concerns about Joe Burrow from the preseason so far. How about you, Justin?
1: Yeah. One second there. Uh, my c- camera just kind of got unplugged. Yeah, I wasn't sure uh, if you were
2: there. I I kind of jumped to Justin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Justin,
3: it's I'm, tall, uh, tall gonna, tall I'm tall screen.
1: the camera. So, yeah, Justin, uh, you go ahead
3: on, on the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase stuff. All right, buddy, I got you. Um, So, yeah, I have a lot of the same concerns. My main concern is that this is another team that um, did not go after their line. You know, their line play, they got out and got Riley Reef, and that was it. You know, we're seeing it in preseason. They're not holding the line very well. That's going to affect the run game. That's going to affect Joe uh, Burrow's confidence when he gets sacked a lot. You know, you're not helping this guy by going out and, you know, supporting him by going and getting his guy. You're helping this guy by going out and getting somebody who's going to keep him up after tearing his ACL. Um, so, I mean, to be honest, I, I like Joe Burrow. I think he'll bounce back. Um, I'm not super high on his position in ADP right now. I think he could go a little bit lower and that would actually equate equate to his value, but long-term wise, I think he has this swagger and he has the mentality to get over it. You know, he's a national championship quarterback. He's he's a smart guy. When we saw him on the field, he's a tough guy and he wants to he wants this team to succeed. I just I don't know if this team will ever succeed. And, Adam, I'm sorry that you had to hear that being from Cincinnati. <laughs> right, they're, they're not my team. Uh, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> but, yeah, so for me, you know, the, the Jamar Chase thing, I think it's not a big deal. This guy did miss a whole year of uh, football. So he's probably going to have some hiccups here and there. You know, it could play out to be a long-term problem. It could be. Turn right around in the regular season how are you feeling about their other receiving options how are you feeling about Boyd and Higgins oh, now, I that, def- now that Chase is you know kind of having these issues you think both of them step up a little bit more I
2: I think you're going to see the Higgins is probably going to be the alpha in that receiving core people kind of expect it to be Chase and I think you're also going to see Boyd more involved people expect because I think to your point the offensive line is not as good and I think they're going to see a lot more check downs because Joe Burrow is not going to sit there in the pocket and just wait to get hit. I think he's going to look to get that slot receiver more involved. So I think he's going to benefit Boyd a little bit. Um, I just think Chase isn't going to quite be as, as high up, especially EDP, where people have him right now as that guy, you know, a borderline receiver too. I think you can necessarily reach that high. Um, I think that you're just going to kind of see that offense in general, maybe take a little step back and maybe not be as good. And this guy, those guys still be productive as they were last year, and not the guys who are just really the afterthoughts to Jamar Chase moving forward.
3: So, sorry, Adam, I, I just have one more quick question. No, go so, ahead. Joe Mixon, how are you guys feeling about him? I mean, he's had his injury problems the past couple years, and now, you know, the line is it supposedly got better, but it really doesn't look too much better. How are you feeling about his prospects? Because he's one of the highly hyped guys going into this season. How do you feel about his prospects this year? He, I, feel I, like love I feel
1: like he's. I feel like he's
3: almost hit the
1: reverse um, of the Zach Wilson. Whereas early on in the offseason, people were dogging on him, uh, which I felt was unfair, and I was like, "All right, I want I want Joe Mixon." Right um, now, he's starting to get really hyped, and because I, I do have some concern, this is this kind of one of those things where it it fluctuating kind of changes how I feel. Because um, I do I love him as a player. I think he's a very talented guy. That offensive line sucks. I'm concerned about the passing game. There's some really good front sevens in that division. It's just, it, I don't know. I, I, I think as a high-end running back too, i I'm hammering him, but he's starting to just get hyped into that low-end RB1, and that's kind of where I'm just laying it off and let letting someone else do that. I think he could uh, pull up the RB1 numbers. I mean, he, again, he has a the talent. I'm just concerned about everything going on around him. I'm not concerned about the injuries. I think that's, you know, I, I'm not gonna, unless it's a super super serious injury problem where it's just like someone's constantly hurt. I'm just not gonna let that constantly affect my decisions fantasy wise. I'm gonna play aggressive and go get good players. But it, it, it's not him. It's the guys around to, for me, Chris.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not necessarily worried about Joe Mixon. I understand that people are kind of you know, seeming to creep up their ADP board. I think that's where he's supposed to be. I mean, the guy has had a shitty offensive line for the last couple of years, so that's not something new. Um, yeah. Joe Burrow, I think, eventually will get kind of back in, in his groove. But I think even until that happens, they're going to be reliant on the running game, which is going to kind of benefit Joe Mixon. And the biggest thing to me is Giovanni Bernard moved on. So once that happened, that gives Joe Mixon the floor that you're kind of looking for. When Joe Mixon's out there, he's been productive. I mean, even though he wasn't very efficient last year, he averaged about 3.8 yards per carry, he still was one of the you know, top 10 RB when he was out there healthy. So I think that you look at a guy who's got more opportunity, more volume, and an offense that we're kind of concerned won't be able to push the ball on the field as much as they were expected to, actually might benefit him in a lot of ways. And don't forget, Todd Gurley had a really crappy line for the, for the Rams for quite a while. The system's the same kind of system. So if they can utilize Joe Mixon in that kind of role and you have a Callahan as your offensive coordinator or I'm sorry, one of your offensive play um call play callers is a guy who's always kind of used utilized that R B one. I think this guy's gonna get twenty to 50, you know, twenty, twenty five touches and to find that in fantasy is very rare. And this guy's gonna be one of those guys that actually is gonna be able to do it week in, week out. Even if it's not super efficient, the volume will be there.
1: Yeah, that is true. The volume will definitely be there, especially early on uh as the passing game kind of develops. Um, on to, you kind of mentioned one of the names we want to talk about here uh, the, the Rams. Uh, what's going on with Stafford and their former quarterback, Goff? Uh, how, how do you feel about them and their new locations? I know we've talked about them before, but now we've finally seen them in those jerseys on a game field, albeit
2: briefly, but, but we have seen it. <laughs> well, I think the golf thing to me, I think golf kind of showed you what you expected him to be. He's been, been fairly efficient, he's been a pretty good game manager. He's kind of utilized the tight ends and the slot receivers definitely in the offense. He looked not too bad in Detroit. Um, Stafford, I, my question to everybody is kind of, is it going to hinder him not playing in the preseason games? We know Sean McVay doesn't have to play his, his starters out in preseason and basically sits them. And you, know, you can't blame him because I think it's something we all you know kind of discuss at some point. How do you play your starters or not? But I think, well, you guys think that's going to affect how you know. Good Stafford kind of hits the road and beginning of the season. Is it going to be somebody that kind of has to get his, you know, adjusted, or is it going to be somebody's going ready to rock and roll right off in week one?
1: Yeah, actually, Justin will send that to you. Uh, would you feel comfortable in a, a one quarterback league locking in Stafford week one with ne- never seeing a live rep with the
3: uh, Rams? Oh uh, yeah, I, I would. I would because he's he's a nine ten year veteran. He's a guy who you know has seen and done it all as far as you know being on the lions you know he took him to a playoff game i think a couple of playoffs games lost them both but you know he's a he's a hard worker guy he's a hard working guy and a tough guy and you know he's got a good cannon of a, of an arm um, the one thing that i think is going to be an adjustment for him is he was never the the biggest slot receiver guy i mean the way that he didn't really throw too much to the slot is what I'm getting at. Um, But, you know, obviously with the shorter routes and the Sean McVay system, you know, all he's got to do is just kind of hinder back that, you know, I got to throw it all the way downfield feeling and just kind of, you know, dump it off to Robert Woods every once in a while. He'll hit Cooper Cup downfield. Yeah, and then he's got Tyler Higby. He's got the most weapons he's ever had. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really the stand standalone point here is that he's never been really at a point where he has everything covered like his offensive line is good he's got two good receivers he's got a good tight end you know daryl henderson still offers like high upside as his running back you know he's solid all the way around he doesn't have to compensate for something somewhere you know he doesn't he doesn't have to have a You know, a good number two receiver because, you know, Calvin Johnson on the rare occasions is not open. I mean, he was always open. (laughs) But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I think he's got it covered. And I think going into the season, if Sean McVay really, really had his doubts, he would have put Stafford out there. Because even though he doesn't put starters out there, Sean McVay is not a dummy at the end of the day. If he really had his doubts about how Stafford looked, he would put him out there and he would give him a couple reps, a couple more reps than what he got.
1: What well, I liked one of the things you brought up there. Uh, I, I was listening to Jake Cutler talk the other day, and he was asked, I think it was on Pat McAfee, I don't 100% remember. Um, he, he was asked, you know, do you consider yourself a gunslinger? And he said, no, because of the teams I was on, um, the Bears, pre Brandon Marshall, and obviously the Vandy team that he was on, that like, you have to play hero ball if your team sucks. And that's what Stafford's been doing for, I mean, a decade, right? It, literally a, yeah. a decade, like 11 years. Um, do you think that that's a habit that he can break? I, I have a lot of faith in the guy. I think he's super, super talented. Um, but I, that's just a lot of, you know, habit built up over years and years and years of, you know, I need to carry this team. I need to carry this team. And he finally doesn't have to, but can he get out of that mindset? It's a a question that I I have about as a Colts fan uh, that I have about Carson Wentz too. He's been trying to play hero ball for the last couple of years. Uh, It was more villain ball last year, but uh, you know, nonetheless he was trying to put the team on his back for a while. And now that he doesn't have to, you know, can you
0: stop doing that?
3: Well, I I think that he can definitely stop doing that. And, you know, I think McVay, once again, dude's a very smart guy. He's not going to take out the deep ball. He brought in Stafford because he wanted to go downfield because he knew Goff couldn't. He mm-hmm. knew Goff couldn't reliably go downfield four or five times a game. It was just something that wasn't happening. So he went out, he got himself a gunslinger, and now he's just he's given him more, more bullets, more bullets to fight with, you know? So I think... It's going to be fine because I think he's going to want to push it downfield and he's going to tell Stafford, hey, lob a couple. Lob like seven out there. Go for it. Yeah. Let Cooper Cup run. Let Cooper Cup run. <laughs> <Let laughs> run. And then, um, you know, so long story short, yeah, I think he'll definitely break it. And I think Wentz will break it too. I just think Wentz is going to – it's going to be a little bit of a harder time because, you know, Pittman, Pittman's got – some wheels to him. He's not really the fastest guy and he kind of needs to evolve his routes a little bit more. I'm kind of a little bit low on Pittman to be honest. But Yeah, I get what you're saying with the MVP ball, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: switching uh switching topics here. Hey Chris, you rostering uh Tyrod Taylor in any leagues?
2: No, I think I think Tyrod Taylor and Sam Darnold haven't really shown me anything definitely different in their new surroundings that makes me want to value them any more. And we kind of talked about Davis Mills being awful, and Tyrod may has a longer chain than we kind of wanted to. But I think they both like, both haven't really shown me anything that in progression that their new teams are going to benefit them any more than the teams that they have been on. I think Sam Darnold is what he is, and I think Tyrod Taylor will probably more than likely lose his job four to five games to the season, like he always does, to some up and coming rookie guy. So I think this is kind of what you expect. Tyron has a little bit of a floor because he will run the ball, but he's never one of these guys or people I'm really interested in at all.
1: I mean, really, to me, the only only thing that in my mind would hold the Texans back from, like, begging Cam Newton to come to Houston is that they want the first overall pick. Like, that's the only thing. And I I don't know if Cam Newton is enough to push that needle, but – that certainly seems to be where that roster is headed uh, as of as of today. Um, with, I mean, I I think I like Tyrod the Human. I think he had some fun games with the Bills, but he's certainly not good enough to overcome what's happening in Houston. Like, not even close. Um, and and Sam Darnold's a whole different issue. Uh, Justin, before we, we get too, too deep into it, I want to hear your take on Sam Darnold and the Panthers and what
3: he means for their receivers and whatnot. Um, So I said on the last one, I I think he's just a guy who can get more touchdowns to the team. Um, To be honest with you, like Sam Darnold was not worth the pick that he got, but he's definitely not a absolutely – garbage quarterback, I think he's still got potential. And I think with uh, Christian McCaffrey being there to be kind of like a check down for him, you know, he's got his old buddy Robbie Anderson to stretch the field, and you know, he's got his new talents being a slot receiver and running some more slants too. Then you got DJ Moore. He's another guy that's just, he's got too much talent around him to to outright fail. I'm not going to say he's not going to like you know, bust, but you know, I, I alright, so I'm just gonna say this. I, I'm a Sam Darnold guy. I, I like what he's doing, but I have concerns about I have definitely have concerns about his talent on um on some degree. But yeah. yeah I guess that's really all I gotta say about it. You know, Sam Darnold is a he's a he's a good third quarterback on your roster. Yeah. Nothing more to say about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with taking some shots in the upside. I I think ultimately, uh, I think just like you said, there's too much talent around him for all of it to go to the way go to waste. I think one yeah. of these receivers, and I cannot be bothered to guess which one. I I, I really think it'll be uh, Chris, unless you've got something here. I I have no idea which one it'll be, but one of them I think is gonna get left in the dust. I don't know if he can sustain three, um, and Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think at least two receivers and Christian McCaffrey will be fine. Uh, Him himself. I I think the offense, like you said, will prevent him from outright failing, but I think he will at the very least prove that he was not worth his original draft pick in New York. And I think he will prove that he is not a significant or maybe even just a lateral move from Bridgewater, if not a, a downgrade, even if it's just a moderate one. Uh, I, I, I guess that's where I would leave that. It's just that i I don't, I don't think he's Drew Lock, but I, I don't know that he's much, if not.
0: The
1: Like I said, I I think he's around Bridgewater. So giving up something to get him
3: and then ship out Bridgewater to me, just, I don't know. You know, I guess the only thing I can really say is that I think he just offers, what I said in the beginning, he offers a higher TD ceiling than Bridgewater did. And that's it. I mean, he's not going to be some 5,000-yard thrower. He's not going to throw for, you know, 30 touchdowns he might throw for 20 touchdowns, which is five more than Bridgewater did. And he might rush for one or two. So the offense won't totally tank around him, but I think the team should probably look for another one, another quarterback soon. All right.
1: We've got a couple QBs left. We've kind of spent a ton of time on them. So we'll probably have to run (laughs) through uh, (laughs) uh, the rest of the positions here. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, what have you guys seen from him? I know it's kind of one of these things where I just feel like people on the internet just are incapable of nuance where everyone – there were two groups of people that saw that throw, right, with that 40-yard lob uh, to James Washington. There were the people that were like, oh, he threw it far. He's got a, an arm still. You're all crazy, and there were people that were like, "No, he has a noodle arm. He can't throw far at all. Like he just has no arm at all." And to me, it's just like he clearly doesn't have a cannon. Like that's for sure. But I, I think he can capably run the offense as far as fantasy goes. I don't, I'm not off of anyone because of seeing what he is. I, if anything, I think he's probably a little bit better than last year. I don't. He's at twilight of his career for sure, but I mean, is his arm any weaker than say Philip Rivers or Drew Brees last year? I would hesitate. I would say no. Chris, what what do you think? I know you put this on here for a reason.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think for me, Ben was hurt last year. People kind of seem to forget about that. That Was a big part of why that team's offense just declined the way that it did. He wasn't bad at the beginning of the season. That team was twelve and zero. So, I mean, the Pittsburgh wasn't horrible, and Ben Roethlisberger wasn't horrible. Then he got injured. He basically played primarily shotgun, and it was all two-yard passes after that. I think the thing that I took out of that four-yard pass is that it's not going to be all two-yard passes. That's what I'm more excited about. I think that you necessarily, he's not, he doesn't have a cannon. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes back there. But you don't need him to be. You need a guy that's a veteran, kind of like Philip Rivers, like you said, knows how to read defenses, knows how to hit that guy, the one-on-one coverage, and can push the ball down on the field a little bit. I love what Pittsburgh offensive coordinator Matt Canada has brought to the system. A lot more motion, a lot more jet sweep action, which is going to give him easy reads, which I think veteran quarterbacks are going to love to have, like by Vosselsberger. I think his ADP is ridiculously low. People are kind of just wrote him, writing him off. And I think his arm's definitely stronger than Drew Brees has been the last two or three years. So I think that you take all those things into consideration, I think this guy still has a lot of upside. And what all I was looking for is, can he do more than just basically throw a three-yard, four-yard pass, which everybody basically written off is doing? Can Juju average, you know, a double-digit down the field instead of nine point, you know, eight or nine yards per catch? Um, can Deontay Johnson get there a little bit? Can Claypool do a little bit down the field? I think all those answers to me are kind of answered. That if he can push the ball twenty to forty yards down the field in a decent manner, it doesn't have to be zipped in there, it doesn't be gunned in there. It just has to get there. I and mean, I think it's he's not. I think the arm's still better than, like I said, a, a Drew Brees has been. And even Philip Rivers was last year. I think you're looking for a guy who's going to have a little bit more arm, just be a little bit more aggressive. And I think that's going to play wonders for the Pittsburgh offense in general. And I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a sneaky fantasy value this year.
1: Yeah, I have him rostered um, in a lot of leagues, either as my second in Superflex or even third in a couple, um, especially in, in dynasties where I – dynasty startups where I wanted to go uh, – Get someone like a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields as my ADP, like draft capital-wise QB two. Then go later, get Ben Roethlisberger, throw him in week one, and then you know, obviously later on down the line, I've got the rookie. I, I agree. I think he's a good value. Um, we can jump over to the running backs. Like I said, kind of fly through these a little bit more. We'll make sure we hit all the high notes here. Uh, how do we feel about? We'll, we'll get make sure we hit the uh, give the two. Big rookies that we haven't talked about enough yet. Uh, We'll make sure we hit them
3: well. We'll go first to you, uh, Justin. How are you feeling about Najee Harris? I feel good. I I was actually about to ask you guys a question on that, but I didn't want to take up too much time. Um, (laughs) So I think Najee Harris is actually going to be the key to Ben Roethlisberger being successful this year. I think having an efficient running back, somebody who's going to be able to take passes and be able to gain a good amount of yardage and sustain a workload it's going to be great for, you know, keeping Ben under a 40-pass attempt game. You know, and I think that's going to be the most uh, important part for him is making those pass attempts matter. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, he gets 25 to 30 pass attempts a game, but, you know, like Chris said, he stretches the field a little bit more. It doesn't have to be a lot, but, you know, if he brings his average from, I think it was like 6.1 or something like that to 10, yards per per throw or yards per attempt, then, you know, that helps the team out a little bit more and that helps out his, uh, you know, his fantasy value a little bit more. So I think Najee Harris is going to work wonders for that team. I do worry – I'm one of those guys that worries a lot about offensive lines, so the Steelers' offensive line frightens the hell out of me. I, I don't want him to turn into a Saquon Barkley where, you know, he has like one or two years of greatness and then it's like, you know, ACL injury. But, you know, overall, I think he's a hell of a prospect. And, he, yeah, he's definitely just going to make the Steelers a lot better.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think that a lot of those short throws um, that were kind of dragging down in Roethlisberger, part of it was – a big part of it was the injury. But a part of it was they literally needed to replace the run game with passes. Yeah. So they had to throw a lot of screens. They had to throw a lot of just short passes that were designed as short passes just – get the ball out of the field quick to serve the same purpose as a, a rushing attempt. Um, just cause they couldn't get that out of the guys that they had last year. Uh, Chris, uh, the other big rookie name that we, we neglected to hit on, uh, when we were talking about the quarterbacks, some of the other big rookies, Um uh, Javante Williams. Uh, what, what do you make of him? I, we talked, I guess, briefly about Denver, but we didn't really too, get into the running backs too much. Uh, Oh, what do you? How are you feeling about him? When is that going to be his backfield?
2: I don't think it's going to be his backfield. But I like so far what I saw preseason. He's what we kind of thought he was going to be. He's very explosive. He can do. He can make guys miss. He's got good vision. Got good balance. He's able to catch the ball out of the backfield a bit. Had a couple of pass uh, protection miscues here or there, but you kind of expect there from a young guy. Um, I think what you're going to see is kind of what I expected to go into the season. There's going to be a tandem role. I think you're going to see Melvin Gordon kind of be utilized and maybe like a 60-40 split. Javante Williams kind of get the 60-40 as its season kind of progresses. I think Melvin Gordon's going to be the guy that kind of gets more used in the passing game just because of the pass protection issue. Um, I think because he's more comfortable in that role. And I think that overall, though, what I saw in preseason makes me continue to like Javante Williams, especially as I, I liked uh, Justin's kind of point about those guys, the second half guys that can kind of kick carry your team um, to the, you know to the playoffs. I think he's going to be one of those guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I definitely love the talent there it's just a matter of when i I think you're right that he won't fully be the the guy this year but whenever that split turns into his favor he is gonna be a league winner uh, for a lot of people I think uh the let's start on the the guys that benefit from injuries a uh, belly up did a a poll uh yesterday of, of how you rank the the backs that are majorly benefiting from injuries. So that's James Robinson, who benefits from ETN's List Frank injury. Um, you know, that's uh, J.K. Dobbins went down to so Gus Edwards' benefits. And then uh, uh, we have, of course, Akers went down a couple weeks ago, and Henderson benefits from that. Um, really interesting, James Robinson uh, across all formats won the, the fan vote. Uh, what interested me was that Henderson – was beat out by Gus Edwards in the PPR vote, uh, which we talked about a little bit before the show. Um, that's one that I would have to disagree with. I think Henderson in PPR formats at least will be, beat out Gus Edwards. But at least all of these backs, right? How are you valuing them? I know a lot of people are overvalued Henderson for, for a second there, and then Michelle got traded. Now, everyone's like oh henderson's awful like he, he lost the back like all of this crazy crazy stuff and it's just i, I kind of like what i was saying with the big ben thing it's like there can't be this like middle ground of he was overvalued a little bit as soon as acres went down people knee jerk too far one way and now people are new jerking way too far the other way where i think henderson's a very solid back he's definitely going to be the lead back for the rams uh, so, what do you guys think is the value of these guys? Who talent wise, this wasn't fully their backfield, except for maybe James Robinson. Uh, but now they're the de facto lead back.
2: Uh,
1: Chris, we'll run with you first.
2: Um, I think that probably to me, you're going to see James Robinson go the earliest of all these guys because of the of last year and be kind of the consideration that what's going to happen. But I think that's kind of fool's gold, my opinion. James Robinson fed a lot off his passing involvement last year. And while he's going to be able to have more opportunity because Travis Etienne is not there, I don't necessarily think they're going to feature him in the passing game quite like he was utilized last year, particularly how this offense is run. They don't throw their running backs a lot. Um, So Travis Etienne is going to be kind of a chess piece. That's why they're going to kind of use him more in the passing game as a Camaro type. James Robinson doesn't bring that same kind of skill set with him. And then you have Carlos Hyde, maybe Vulture, and some touches early on from him. I think it's going to be somebody that people are kind of jumping on too high and over-rallying a little bit too much. Well, you've seen him go like the fourth, fifth round now. I think he's got great value because you don't see the competition in the backfield. But is he better than the Mike Davis? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And Davis is going two, three rounds later than he is. So I, I think that's somebody you see kind of clearly jumping up the boards the most. But the guy who benefits to me the most is going to be Edwards. I think Edwards is somebody who you now you're going to see is definitely going to be a thousand yard rusher. I think he's definitely going to have double digit touchdowns. I think that you definitely, you know, your PPR thing is a great point. They don't mean necessarily more than passing game, but anybody who seems like Lamar Jackson is basically going to get 80 to 100 yards rushing They're going to get a touchdown opportunity. We saw Mark Ingram have a great year two years ago and very efficient, only getting 15 to 17 touches per game, really wasn't using the passing game and still was RB five. So I think Gus Edwards can be somebody that's very similar in that role where he's going to get touchdowns. He's going to be very consistent week in, week out because that team's going to be able to run the ball. And then you're going to have a guy who now was averaging five years per carry, get the ball even more often. I think he's the biggest beneficiary and a guy who I would definitely, definitely consider taking in the first six rounds.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Justin, who, who are you kind of leaning towards of those guys? I mean, again, no, I just relative to their ADP, of course, they, I, think in a, a bubble James Robinson's kind of the, the popular pick but uh Chris to your point I mean he's going a lot higher than these other two
3: yeah um I think you said it best it's a knee-jerk reaction um Fantasy Pros now has Gus Edwards right in the tier of like a Miles Sanders so he jumped pretty high uh While I do think that Gus Edwards is a very talented running back, he's very consistent, I just wrote an article for Belly Up praising people to get aboard the the Gus bus. I would have to say that the one guy that, if he stays healthy, has got the best chance to um, finish higher than both Robinson and um, Edwards would be Henderson. Because Henderson, he offers – um great pass catching ability well not great but maybe good pass catching ability is a better word for it and he has a quarterback that's willing to toss it down to him you know gus edwards zero pass catching maybe maybe 10 to 15 catches in the season they just they just don't function that way it's it's lamar jackson the run game and then everything else comes afterwards so yeah. Daryl Henderson is my pick. You know, you, we see him in little spurts in the season with the Rams. He does really well. Um, he just can't stay healthy. So if he can pull it off, I think that he'll finish up um, the better of the three. Yeah. I like it.
1: I like it. Um, to a guy who, because of an injury, I think fantasy managers can benefit. Maybe you guys can talk me down here. Uh, I, I feel like, and this is someone who actually going into the season I was against because of where I, I figured he would be going, and now that he's dropping a lot, it, it's kind of hard for me to stay away. Early on, I was like, I don't want Saquon Barkley, you know, in the first five, right, first four or five, I just uh, you know, you normally see a ninety percent of of what you were following that injury. But I've seen him in drafts that I'm in fall to. Eight or nine in the first round, and I've heard of drafts where he's following to this falling to the second round. And if you can get him at that value, then I mean, th- that's a no-brainer, right?
3: Hundred percent, hundred percent no-brainer. If you can get Saquon Barkley in the bottom of the first round, like if you, if he's dropping to the the ten spot, it doesn't matter if you have the injury concerns anymore. The value there is just yeah. too high. The potential for him to go back to pre injury Saquon is it's it overrides any like worries that you have at that point because you know, who else are you gonna get at that point? You know, you can get Nick Chubb, but you won't get near the pass catching abilities of a Saquon Barkley from a Nick Chubb. You know, you can get a Jonathan Taylor who's kind of like a you know, Saquon Barkley light. So why not get it's not it's like why would you get a Miller light when you can just get a Miller? (laughs) I like it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so that's what I got to say about that.
1: Yeah, uh that was just the one that was bizarre to me because I feel like he was getting uh, you know, he was going in that same tier almost as if he had never been hurt and I was like, eh, I don't want any of that. But he has it, it just feels like at least on the internet that the the people are are off of Barkley and if, you know, sometimes you got to <laughs> you got to zig when they zag, you know? And I yeah, if if he's falling that far, then I'm all all in on that. Um Uh, Lastly, on the running backs, I just want to tackle some of the guys who preseason in general, um, not an injury, not any specific event, but just playing these games has really benefited. So that would be uh, the Tyson Williams, who has apparently passed uh, Justice Hill. and He's going to be, you know, if anyone's catching passes in that Ravens offense, and I I don't think it's really going to be anyone, at least on any significant level. But if it's anyone as a running back, it'll be Tyson Williams now. Um, and he really, he's going to be that more quick back that they'll use for anything, um, you know, if it's not Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, Jarrett Patterson's looked pretty solid. Tony Jones is now the new uh, the new Latavius Murray. Um, Jarrett McKinnon's looked solid. People are all in on Madison. I'm not. The people are. <laughs> there are people out there still in on him. Uh, so of these guys who's, I mean
0: – Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
1: I don't want to say handcuffs because they're not other than maybe Tony Jones they're not really uh maybe Jerry McKinnon, but most of these guys are going to have roles that have a lot of potential um to blow up if an injury or something happened or just if if they continue to show the talent that they showed in the preseason so of those guys, who is your favorite um are you stashing all of them or are there any that you were avoiding um that kind of thing what what do you got uh Justin we'll start with you
3: um. I'd go Jarek McKinnon because I liked what he did last year with San Francisco when he was brought in. You know, he filled the role very well. Uh, he's still got some step to him. Uh, he's obviously going to be put into the Le'Veon Bell role, which probably scares people because Le'Veon Bell didn't do shit last year. Um, another guy – see, I've never been high on Madison. You know, yeah. Madison comes in and – Everybody's always like, oh, he's going to come and he's going to have a great week. And then he kind of just has pedestrian weeks the entire time. I mean, he's a high-end handcuff because of the workload in Minnesota. But, I mean, there's a reason that nobody's ever asked for him. You know what I mean? No one's traded for him yet.
0: Yeah.
3: And, uh, yeah, I guess one other guy I would actually throw in there is um, Trey Regis. You guys know Trey Vegas from uh, Las Vegas. Guy got cut today. Guy got cut today. I thought he didn't yeah. get cut. You really, cut,
2: buddy? Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, wherever he lands, try and grab that guy. I'm not even joking. Like that guy looked really good in preseason. Um, but yeah. So Jarek McKinnon's my handcuff. Yeah. Um,
1: I've been grabbing onto Tony Jones. It's been a, a valuable that RB two in in New Orleans has been valuable before. Um, and obviously a a Camara injury away from being a very valuable piece. Uh, And I've thrown in some some waiver claims for Tyson Williams. I've got one going in tonight. We'll see how that goes. But there there are more stashes than pretty much anything else. I don't uh, see, you know, a ton. But if you've got a, a deep league, why not throw one? Is there any preferred stash for you, Chris, of these guys?
2: I think Tyson Williams is probably my guy. Um, everything I'm understanding, he's gonna play kind of play the Gus Edwards role, like Gus Edwards kind of takes over the lead back role. So we've seen the Ravens for the last couple of years use a tandem backfield, and they they don't have a legit guy who gets 25 rushes. It really hasn't been their kind mm-hmm. of mo, even when they had Ingram. Gus Edwards was kind of that you know guy that come in and kind of finish off games for you, gets 15, 15 you know touches, maybe rushing, gets the easy touchdowns here or there. Tyson Williams is kind of built like this guy. You I mean, he got injured in BYU. But he was very, very highly recruited going to South Carolina, he transferred to BYU, was looking really good. Guy's about 220, 230. I mean, he's a bigger back. He's not like a little guy out there. He's got good quickness. He gets in and out of his breaks pretty good. Got pretty good vision. So I think this guy's going to probably be somebody who kind of jumps onto the radar sooner than later because we know that Ravens offense is still going to be run-first offense. They're going to be very physical, and you're going to have kind of a guy who's built in a role already into the offense, while these other guys are kind of kind of waiting and see Davis Murray didn't get cut yet, so is Tony Jones clearly going to be the guy if Kamara gets hurt, or is that hand him back to kind of be the rusher? Um, Is, you know, Madison, I'm kind of the same but with you. I think Madison kind of showed you last year, even when Cook got hurt, he still wasn't the guy. So you can't really bank on somebody that, you know, jumped out to you. And I think Jared Patterson, to me, is somebody to kind of keep your eye on. Gibson, you know, is still adjusting to the running back position. He is somebody, he never had more than 15 carries last year. So it's somebody still kind of learning how to be carry the workload, so to speak, especially if you're going to utilize him more in the passing game. So I think he's somebody that if Gibson were to get hurt, he's not going to be J.D. McKissick taking over. It's going to be Jared Patterson taking over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a guy to kind of keep your eye on just for the long term. But that's why you're necessarily going to draft or reach out. With. But my stash would probably be Taysom Williams because I think he has a clear role from day one.
1: I definitely uh, respect that. We're going to go ahead and move on to the receivers here um jamar chase is someone we already, we've already talked about so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on him and uh jalen waddled we've uh, on this show not today necessarily but in general spoken about a lot uh, i will chris uh just go over real quick what has anything with him really changed throughout the preseason or are you just still locked in on him
2: I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more locked on to him. I got concerned earlier on in preseason there was kinda of reports out of camp he didn't look very explosive. He wasn't getting great separation. He was kind of struggling. But then he saw as the you know, preseason progressed in the last couple of preseason games. He's obvious that too, has a good connection with them. He's gonna be he's one of the few healthy receivers the Dolphins have right now and has been through the last couple of weeks. You know, Will fuller has been out, Devontae Parker's been out. So I think Jalen Waddle is somebody who I was very high on and got a little nervous about. I'm back being very confident he's going to be a kind of a featured guy in this offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I like Jalen Waddle a lot. Uh, like I said, I don't want to sit on him too long because the rookie receivers I really want to talk about um, are Devonta Smith and Terrence Marshall. Um, they're two guys who are in pretty interesting positions because I'm not 100% sold on the passing ability of either quarterback. Um, but I do like the talent of both of these guys. Uh, Devonta Smith, I was always a fan of Terrence Marshall. Actually, coming out, I wasn't, and he, he looks the part of a really good pro. Like I'm, if things continue the way they are, uh, Darnold be damned. I'm willing to kind of eat my words on him. I, I think he could be a pretty good pro. Uh, uh, Justin, how are you feeling about those two guys? Year one,
3: uh, I'm sold on Devonta Smith. Uh, I think. He has that ability to catch. Well, I think he has the ability in that offense to get 100 targets. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be targeting him nonstop. He's just going to be peppering him. There really wasn't anybody seriously who stood out. Quez Watkins had his week, and, you know, he's got obviously the deep speed. But, you know, other than that, Jalen Rager is kind of. You know, he had that one catch that was on Twitter, but I mean, I still haven't seen anything on the actual professional field yet. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, I think Devonta Smith has that potential to be getting like 100 to 120 targets, which volume kills, especially when you're drafting guys late. If you're startup drafting and, you know, Devonta Smith is there to be your wide receiver three, you know, I would love to have somebody who's getting 120 catches or 120 targets. In a season as my wide receiver three, so Devonta Smith is the real deal for me, and then Terrace Marshall he showed he showed a lot, but he's got a, there's a lot of weapons in Carolina, and as we were talking about when we were talking about Darnold, you know, can he feed three wide receivers, a monster in the backfield, and a tight end? Mm-hmm. The tight end's gonna have to get some too. They got Dan Arnold out there. And, you know, they specifically got him to be a downfield threat. So it's going to be interesting. I think Terrace Marshall will get some meaningful catches. I think he'll get a lot of downfield catches. But he might end up being kind of like a Michael Gallup light this year, which is still good because Michael Gallup's good. But, you know, maybe yeah. just not with many catches. He, he very well might end up
1: being a better football player than he is a fantasy guy year one. Uh, Chris, do you have any strong takes on Devonta Smith, Terrace Marshall?
2: I mean, Devonta Smith definitely impressed me that he shows he belongs. His route running is impeccable. The clinic he put out there in a known game he played, I mean, he was basically, it was only a 10-yard catch, but he just basically broke the guy's ankles getting open. I think he shows you that he's got a lot of Jerry Judy in him, and I think that's kind of the worst-case scenario for him as his rookie year. Maybe he doesn't get quite the volume you're looking for. Maybe he doesn't get quite the involvement you'd hope for. But I think as Jerry Judy kind of showed you, when you can run routes and you can get open, you're still going to have a nice little floor. You're going to have some big weeks available for you. So I think that for me, Devontae Smith definitely is somebody who's got my radar, definitely receiver, you know, four, possibly receiver three potential there. I worry about, like, you kind of your concerns are about Jalen Hurst's involvement and can he can still get in the ball, but this guy's going to get open. So that makes me kind of hopeful. I was very impressed when I saw him in preseason. Terrence Marshall, I'm not a big fan of either coming out. Um, I think he struggles getting off the line, but the one thing that I have to admit is that Sam Darnold has been able to kind of utilize his slot receivers throughout his, through his career so far. So I kind of see Jamison Crowder be kind of spring onto the board for a lot of people the last couple of years, um, and I think that if, if Terrence Marshall is going to to be that slot receiver. He's probably going to be a little bit more volume than we expect he is because what we saw Sam Donald be most effective in this preseason game, especially the last game, was when he got rid of the ball within five yards, when he got rid of the ball from within about a second or two. He can't read defenses. He needs to get rid of the ball real quickly. And Joe Brady kind of saw that and we tried to get him quick screens. That's how Terrence Marshall scored his touchdown. I think that Terrence Marshall is going to be that slot receiver, he's going to see more volume than we kind of expect. And I think it's actually going to hinder a lot of the outside receivers because I expected D.J. Moore to be moved inside a little bit more this year. And if he's not going to be, I question whether or how value he was going to be thickly plays the role he played last year going to deep threat because Sam Darnold can't push the ball down the field. I think we kind of saw that. And I think that Terrence Marshall might have some sneaky value where I'm not still not a big fan of him talent-wise. I do think that if his position on that Carolina offense is going to be something that kind of benefits him.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely uh, Devonta Smith is a fantastic route runner, and to your point, and Terrence Marshall could be in for a decent role if he gets that. If he's primarily out of the slot, uh, it just all depends on how they end up using all the receivers there. They've got a ton of weapons. Uh, I really want to talk about some of these receivers who are in these just super weird roles, right? So um, that would be Tyrell Williams and the whole Lions situation. Um, Brandon Cooks and the whole (laughs) situations, uh, the the Ravens wide receivers, where it just, like, nobody knows, like, what's going on in these wide receiver rooms. Uh, Of those three, so, again, that was uh, Baltimore, Detroit, and um, uh, Baltimore, uh, Detroit, and Brain. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Houston Texans. Houston, thank Houston thank Texans. You. Brandon Cooks, you said, yes.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, uh, of those guys, is there anyone that for fantasy you're really targeting at their ADP? I, I mean, I could kind of see one of the Detroit guys being a dart throw, I think, in rookie drafts. Um, specifically, Amon Ross, St. Brown. You may as well, I think, and rookie drafts Nico Collins isn't bad either, but as far as the veteran guys in a lot of these rooms, I'm not that into it. Uh, same with Rashad Bateman, by the way. He's someone, I think, at the turn of the draft, back end into the first, you may as well go grab him because regardless of what's happening right now, he is a, a fantastic talent. Um, but yeah, is there anyone, uh, say redraft, right? Because Dynasty, you're just going to want the rookies regardless, but redraft, is there anyone you really want out of, any of those three wide
2: receiver rooms? For me, it's Brandon Cooks. Um, I've been on this kind of drum since – I hate Texas offense in general. I hate their quarterback play. I hate their offensive line. But Brandon Cooks can ball. And I have no question he's going to be featured. He can get open. He's been in the top 20 or his receiver for the past four out of five years. He's played with a variety of different systems, right from quarterbacks. So this is the one guy that I trust, especially as EDP right now, that's going to give you receiver four – definitely possibly receiver three potential. So Brandon Cooks is that guy for me of those three to situations that I'm looking to target the most.
3: Um, for me, it's probably it's a tie between Bateman and the Ravens and Detroit. And it's really only because I want Bateman so bad for my team as like a stash. I just, in redraft, I, I take the approach of, getting the guys that I think can really like blow up later for my rookies. And so Bateman, I look at Bateman, I go, once this guy gets on the field, like give him like two weeks to adjust to everything gameplay wise, I think he's going to really start like lighting the field up. So for me, it's, it's, it's definitely the Ravens and Bateman. I mean, I, I like Amos St. Brown. Um, I like what he can do with his routes, but at this. End of the day, he's got Jared Goff throwing the ball, and that is just uh, not okay with me. And the same, and the same with Cooks. I mean, if Cooks was on any other team or had, you know, even a reasonable quarterback, I would be like draft him all day long. But he's got Tyrod Taylor, and I don't trust him at all. <laughs> so that, so it's Bateman for me, Bateman and the Ravens. What about you, Adam?
1: Yeah, uh like I said, I think a lot of those guys are are worth stashes on some level. Uh, I, if I'm mostly staying away in regards to a redraft, uh, I'll maybe take my shot on Cooks here and there, but I wouldn't want my my uh my rate of having him on my roster uh to be very high. Uh Yeah, I mean, I guess there's worse things to do than have a Tyrell Williams and like a best ball. But like I said, a redraft, it's tough to really have any of those guys for my books. I, I guess I'd have to be with you, Justin, and just go with someone who I think uh, can turn on late. Cause I, I think out of all those guys, that's really all that's going to happen. Um, before we, we switch it up to the tight ends really quick. Uh, are there any, anyone preseason kind of what we did with the running backs, anyone that jumped out at you, um, Stash wise, especially dynasty, but kind of also, um, you know, in a deeper redraft or in a maybe even last round of a best ball, someone you think could maybe pop off at the end of the year. Um, a a deep, deep sleeper, you know, Quez, Quez Watkins, uh, we kind of briefly spoke about him, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, Michael Strashan, uh, Desmond Patman, um, there's a couple other guys uh, who, who kind of fit the bill here, who had really, really good preseasons as receivers. A um, uh, little Jordan Humphrey, I think, was one of them. Uh, are any of these guys, guys you're interested in, guys you're wanting to pick up on the waiver wire in your dynasties or deep redrafts or anything?
2: Yeah, I think for for me, dynasty-wise, I, I think Watkins definitely jumped on my board. I think that we kind of talked about our questions about rigor. You see these guys' explosive ability. We're not really sure what's going to happen in the quarterback position moving forward for the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're going to have a hell of an opportunity to have them with possibly three number one picks or possibly we trade for Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, I think there's the upside there. You have a guy who's kind of explosive, definitely basically forced his way into the lineup. He's going to be playing a slot receiver, lo- a lot of different guys, and Devontae Smith's going to be demanding a lot of attention. He offers, offers a guy a lot of one-on-ones. And then Peoples-Jones kind of jumped out to me as well. Another guy who forced himself into the lineup. Basically, Higgins was the big – you know, guy beneficiary of OBJ being out last year, but you see people Jones is going to be the starting receiver for them in the three receiver sets this year. He's been explosive. Everything you kind of hoped for him coming out of Michigan has kind of unfolded. The guy has already, but always been a great athlete and now you're kind of seeing him put it together. So I think those two guys for me, at least when it comes to, um, you know, dynasty, they're definitely on my radar. Redraft, I'm not going to go after either one of those guys probably yet. I think there may be streamer options possibly, the curious one for me, and I was kinda kinda was, you know, curious what you thought, Adam, because you're a Colts fan, was Desmond Patman. I like Desmond Patton coming out last year. I thought he was kind of overrated coming out of Washington State. The guy's got to use his body pretty well, gets open. But he reminds me a lot of Pittman, and I wonder if it's a little redundant in the offense. Um but with T.Y. Hilton being injured, and we're not really sure where Paris Campbell is really gonna be physically, this guy's being basically banged up the last couple of years. Is he, does he have a chance to kind of be somebody in that offense or is he just somebody that, you know, because he's such a kind of repetition of of Pittman that kind of just kind of fades to the, you know, fades to the background.
1: I, I think it's really interesting because all of a sudden this receiver room has kind of shifted to it's almost a youth movement and it's kind of picking like all of these guys have shown promise in, in some regards, right? So last year, the one game of Campbell we saw, he was pretty good. I mean, yeah, he's not someone who's super, super versatile, but when you're fast in a Frank Reich screen, scheme, fast and okay hands, like you don't need a whole lot more. You can take your drags and your ends and your slants, and he's, you're going to do pretty well. I think he had like 75 yards in his is one healthy game. Um, as, it, it's a really interesting situation because you're right. I think he is very similar to Pittman. Um, and Stray Sean's pretty similar in that same vein, too, uh, which makes the whole thing kind of difficult uh, because you've definitely got uh, Pittman locked in um, to a role. You've definitely got Hilton, if, when he comes back, locked into a role. They're going to use Pascal to some extent. I don't think anyone can directly replace Campbell because he's the only speed guy, really outside of kind of Hilton, who's obviously, uh, both injured and old, uh, older now. I, I, one, I'm interested in the short term, um, say Pascal's not back, uh, from his, his COVID, uh, stuff yet who, who does fill in of, of Patman or, um, of Patman slash, uh, Stray Sean. It's, It's going to be tough. They both flashed a lot and that's what makes it difficult because without the other one or the other would be a really interesting stash. But with both out in redraft, I wouldn't really touch either of them and dynasty. I think they both showed talent. They both showed potential. And I I think as a deep stash in a dynasty, especially with you've got a large bench, you take that. If you see talent, you just go get it. Uh, But their 2021 potential, I think is pretty low. I would, be surprised if either one broke 250 yards to be honest with you um moving on from the receiver position uh we have to talk about Kyle Pitts because he did a thing right (laughs) he 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 had the one play turned up field and uh everyone was yelling get him out of the game he's shown enough (laughs) that's all you needed from him um and yeah I, I I don't think that Anything really changed. I just had to mention him, but
2: I mean, he's a stud, right?
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think everything sounds like you're moving him all around the field, so I'm excited about his potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, his ADPs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they found their next coming of Julio Jones in the tight end form there. And, you know, now they have actually Hayden Hurst and, This is something I thought about when they drafted him. Like, you know, he's fast enough. Why not just move him around a bunch? You know, you got Hayden Hurst to be the blocking tight end if you need somebody. And, you know, just use him primarily as a receiver. And, I, you know, so how do you you guys feel about the narrative about, you know, him having to have the best rookie year to cover his ADP? How do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like he can do that? Because it doesn't seem like it's a high, like, goal. You know, Evan Ingram achieved that. The best, I think it was the best rookie year was Evan Ingram for a tight end.
1: I, I think he could make the value of his ADP, but it just doesn't feel like there's more that can go wrong than that could go right because I, I think he could make it to his ADP. I just don't think that he can surpass it is, I guess, the problem for me. I think he could very well hit the tight end six or seven that he's going for. I don't remember at the top of my head. But I don't know that he can jump much further than that. Uh, So for me, I'd either, again, I'd just rather get one of those first couple guys or wait for a deeper sleeper. Um, Because just that tier of tight ends um, is just not a lot. And with him, it's just because of the lack of touchdowns. I think he – I would not be shocked if he got the most yards for a rookie tight end that we've seen either ever or in a long time. But I could also would also not be shocked if he put up that stat line and got like three touchdowns or five or whatever. And it's just that Matt Ryan hasn't thrown for over like twenty three or twenty five or whatever in a couple of years. And I just, you know, I, I think that with Davis and Ridley and the two tight end sets that I suspect will be running a lot of, there's gonna be a, the touchdowns are gonna get pretty spread thin.
2: Chris? See, I have an opposite take. I trust Arthur Smith to get the tight, tight ends involved, especially touchdown-wise. We saw Janew Smith have eight touchdowns last year. We saw a Fixture have a couple, you know, four or five touchdowns. So I think the, the touchdowns isn't my concern. The yards would be more my concern. But I think his ADP's not bad considering the hype that he had. That's where I'm kind mm-hmm. of more excited about Kyle Pitts than I have been going into the season. The hype had been ridiculously high where you're thinking this guy is going to go in the first three or four rounds. But where his ADP is, he's basically gonna be around, you know, borderline top five tight end, which I think you can definitely debate. Once you get past an Andrews, you get Kittle Waller and Kelsey, I think it's it's kind of a toss up between him and Hawkinson. Him and some other guy, you know, Dawes Goddard was something I was really high on early in the season, but now Zach Ertz is still on the team. Maybe Goddard doesn't have that breakout I was kind of expecting. So I think Kyle Pitts can easily be sniffing that top five tight end range, and I think that kind of justifies his ADP because it's not too high in my book. I think you don't take him over some of the receivers that might be there if you don't need to have a tight end in your league. But I think that it's somebody that you do consider that if you're in a tight end strong league or a tight end playing league, I should say, then this is a guy you probably want as one of your better tight end options.
1: Yeah, I guess that that is a point in it. And a tight end premium or something like that by all means you're sending him right like at his current adp you absolutely don't even think twice about pulling that trigger uh it's a little expensive for me in a, a typical league but in a tight end premium it, his adp is more than than um, fair uh for me but I do want to make that caveat These tight end premiums are starting to be a bit more popular yeah um Moving on to a couple of the other rookie tight ends, Kylan Granson, I think, as a Colts fan, disappointed me a little bit. Uh, I actually didn't get a chance to watch a ton of Patrick Fearmouth. Did any, anyone uh, have any strong picks on him? He looks good.
3: I mean,
2: yeah, he did look pretty good. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Go, go ahead, Justin. Ahead. No, go ahead. no go ahead. you go ahead, Justin.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he looks good. I, I, I Going into the, the year, obviously the fantasy community was not super sold on him because – you know, he was – compared to Kyle Pitts, he's not Kyle Pitts. But, you know, to be fair, I think he's better than Eric Ebron, and I think, you know, I think they'll start Ebron out of, like, veteran seniority. But I think by probably midseason, um, Freer Muth will be lighting it up on the Steelers. That's – yeah, that's just how I feel about him. He, he looks really good out of his routes. He creates separation. And, you know, he's a big-body receiver who – is athletic, and I don't think Eric Hebron's really athletic anymore. You know, he's kind of a little bit slower now. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Cut you off. No,
2: no, you're fine. I mean, I'm not a big Pat Vermouth fan. Um, Adam kind of witnessed our, our, some of our discussions, especially on our draft shows, about how much of a fan I'm not necessarily Pat Vermouth. But I do think that we always know that Ben Roethlisberger loves to throw those tight ends. We've seen Jesse James do well in that offense. We've seen Heath Miller do well in that offense. So, when it comes to the red zone, particularly, those tight ends do get thrown the ball pretty consistently. And I think that he showed you he can catch touchdown passes. Um, having said that, I do question his, his production overall. I do don't think Ebron is going to go away. And where he gets fed in that food chain of offensive playmakers, you got Deontay Johnson, you got Schuster, you got Claypool, you got James Washington, you have Harris. There's a lot of other guys that are going to get fed before he does. So, I think he's a guy that you might have on your radar. For touchdown production, or kind of a guy you might put you on here or there, like some follow Jesse James back in his Pittsburgh days, uh, Pittsburgh days. But he's not somebody I'm necessarily going to be drafting in a redraft league.
3: I would definitely put him on a watch list though, because I think at some point he, you know, he's gonna. I think at some point he's gonna surpass Ebron, because yeah. Ebron just he, he's not really that athletic anymore, and that's what kind of Ebron was all about was being this big athletic tight end. He's just kind of this big. Tight end who kind of, you know, he's not too fast anymore. I wouldn't say he's just a, a, you know, a Hayden Hurst type tight end, but, you know, I think that eventually they'll go to the kid. So I'd put him on a watch list. Yeah, I wouldn't draft him, but I'd put him on a watch list for sure. John, you're down, you're down on Kelly Granson.
1: Uh, I I mean, I think he looked athletic, but that's what we already knew. He didn't show him anything new, I feel like, to me. Uh, his hands were good. His breaks were good, but there, like, there just wasn't anything to where I was like... You. Yeah, there was nothing where I was like, you have developed significantly since the film I watched of you. I, I feel like it just wasn't like uh, a lot of growth, I guess is what I would say. Because um, yeah, that's... To pass a Moali Cox or some of these other guys for me, to be anything more than what Trey Burton was last year, he has to develop more than what he is currently. And I, I haven't seen a lot of progress, uh, I feel like, to that, that rope.
2: Um, I don't know. Have you? I mean, I didn't really see the progress that you kind of talked about. I kind of saw what I expected to see. But I did like the you know the talk coming out of camp that he is going to be playing that Trey Burton role, which is the mm-hmm. pass-catching, receiving role in that offense. And with T.Y. Hilton's injury and Carson Wentz's propensity to throw to tight ends, we see Zach Ertz, we see seen Dallas Goddard be very effective. I was very curious to your take on it because I think this guy could possibly be a sneaky value there, where we've already seen that we 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 both agree that we make Mel Ellie Cox, but your offensive coordinator and Frank Reich don't cool. seem to be on the same page as we are about utilizing yeah. him in the passing game. Um yeah. and I I think that you know people like a Jack Doyle is pretty much done. Um, mm-hmm. so I do think there's an opportunity for this guy to kind of you know show show out or shine a little bit in this offense, particularly Ty being injured. And the sneaker, a sneaky tight end value, but I'm not really sure you know, how high to go because I agree he's not going to play anything more than Trey Burton role. But that has been pays off sometimes for some, yeah. you know, especially the tight end position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I say what I said. I in I'm stashing him in two dynasty leagues. I grabbed him in the fifth round of or in the last round. I guess one of them wasn't the fifth because uh, it's a Debbie league. But I, I'm grabbing him as much as I can in that last rookie draft round. I, I do like the value to some extent. I think you should be stashing him. And I think in redrafts, uh, you have to watch list him, I, I guess, the, um, to a certain extent. like You want to watch list him because, say, if Mo Ali Cox went down, then he gets pure ownership of the receiving part of that, back, of that uh, tight end group. He would be the only one really catching the ball because Jack Doyle passed a, uh, you know, a third and three. You're not really throwing it to him anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's someone you want to keep an eye on. Redraft, I wouldn't roster him at, at all. And a dynasty, I think, if you have a deep bench, you stash him. Uh, if you've, especially if you've got a, um, what is it? Not a taxi squad. If you've got a taxi squad, I, I'd say you would absolutely want to throw him on there. Um, but. Otherwise, he's just not someone I see a lot of upside in, uh, year one at least. Uh, Tight end-wise, I want to get into um, the Saints guys really quick and then just any other sleeper tight ends uh, that you've seen anything out of. So I guess we'll we'll go around to both of you. We'll start with Justin. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you make of the Saints tight end situation? And were there any other sleeper tight ends um, uh, that you are excited about? So essentially... Uh, Troutman, Juwan Johnson, the Troutman injury, and then it, are there any sleepers that you're you're eyeing in the,
3: the tight end world? Well, I mean, Jameis Winston has proven that he likes to go to the tight end, so whoever is there, I think will have you know good target volume for a tight end. Um, so I, I know that Troutman's out right now. I don't know the extent of his timeline. Do you, either one of you know? The extent of his timeline is it one to three weeks. Yeah. They don't
2: seem to be quite sure. They don't really remember yeah. front about his timeline as as well as much as I thought they would be.
3: Okay, well then that's not reassuring at all. <laughs> I would probably say that Jawan Johnson is definitely worth a stash at that point. And even even without Troutman on the field, like I've been a Troutman truther all all this uh, off season, but. To be honest with you, like he really hasn't shown too much and now he's injured. So it kind of almost seems like a revolving door is just kicking him out. And, you know, here we go with the the Troutman or the um, Juwan Johnson saga. As far as, um, you know, un- somebody who stood out, he wasn't really a tight end, but I can see him kind of being used as a receiving tight end in their offense just because it kind of worked with Jordan Reed last year uh Jalen Hurd and they were kind of like timid about whether he was going to even make the roster but then they played him in the last preseason game and he had a good enough showing to where Kyle Shanahan kept him and Shanahan's kind of wanted him to stay on the team forever he just hasn't been able to get him on the field so I think they'll definitely move him around in the slot and they'll probably end up using him in like a two two tight end set and um red zone opportunities and try and take advantage of the fact that he'll be going against the lesser of the defenders, you know, on the field without you, Debo, and uh Kittle on there. So that's my guy for uh the under the radar tight end, even though he's a tight end receiver.
2: <laughs> Chris? Yeah, I'm I've been a Tropman truther myself this offseason. I, I love Chapman. I love him coming out of college. I love his skill set. My concern not only is the injury but his, he wasn't really targeted in the passing game when he was out there healthy for the preseason games, and he was kind of the blocking tight end, which is my concern because I don't want him to get pigeonholed as a blocking tight end. And we know Jawan Johnson won't be that guy because he's a converted receiver, so he's not going to be blocking too many people. That's not going to be his responsibility. And I like Jawan Johnson and Oregon. I thought he was a nice. I thought he had a nice skill set. Thought he taxed the ball well. Him playing tight end wasn't something I ever really thought about, but he does kind of fit the profile. So he's you know, a hybrid tight end position, a guy you can kind of move around, plays a little bit of slot. Um, and I think in that offense, he has some potential. We see, Like you said, Winston loves to use his tight ends. He's a taller guy. Winston will throw it up for his bigger guys, and he will give him an opportunity to kind of make plays. This guy's able to stretch the field because he's lined up on linebackers and safeties, why he couldn't necessarily blow by a corner. He can't blow by a linebacker if he gets a mismatch. Um, so I think he has some upside. He definitely stood out to me as one of those sleeper guys to kind of keep your eye on. I'm not going to target him in a standard redraft league, but he is somebody I definitely have on my, in my watch list. Um, and you kind of want to see as the situation unfolds because I think regardless, one of these two tight ends is probably going to be heavily involved in this offense. We both, we all kind of agree, Trey Smith isn't really the guy that we think is going to really take another step up. Um, Deontay Harris is a quick, fast guy, but isn't going to probably be a featured part of the offense. So we know Kamara is going to be there. We know Callaway is going to be kind of then the beginning of the season until you know, Michael Thomas comes back. But who will be that third kind of passing option? And I think English is always one of those guys who has to throw the ball, rip it down, different guys. So one of these tight ends probably has opportunity to kind of shine. I just don't know which one it is right yet. Um, I think that the longer Chapman's out, the more chance to Juan Johnson has to be that kind of sleeper, come out of nowhere kind of guy that kind of you know jumps onto the fantasy scene.
1: Yeah, he's someone I, I've grabbed on the waiver wire in a couple leagues. I, I definitely uh, agree. Uh, like you said, yeah, uh, Troutman wasn't even really getting targeted, which surprised me because I was also like kind of in on on grabbing Troutman as a value guy, and yeah, he just wasn't getting targeted. He was getting used as a blocking tight end a lot. Now I know uh, the schemes get dumbed down a lot for preseason, so maybe this is a case of that. Uh, but but if not, I mean, that's uh, surprising to me. I guess I didn't really figure that, that would happen. Um, I guess this one last thing I want to really uh, get through before we, we close out. I know it's been a really long show, so I thank you guys for staying with us, uh, both audience and, and you guys for, for hanging out with us. Um, uh, what's your strategy for handcuffs? Because this was a huge topic on Twitter throughout the week uh, of people arguing, oh, you if you've got an injury-prone guy, you, you make sure you go get his handcuff versus go get other guys' handcuffs to maximize potential. So is it, are you on one side of that? Are you on the other side of that? Are you somewhere in the middle where like if someone's super injury prone, you want a handcuff maybe, but otherwise you're just trying to get other guys' handcuffs. So what's your, what's your take on that whole situation? Uh, Chris, we'll start with you.
2: So I'm not historically a very big handcuff guy. Um, I, I basically draft based on value. I don't basically draft on guys that I think I'm trying to cover myself for. I'd rather do that with another player than necessarily having the handcuff. Now, if I'm in a certain system, or a certain offense that I really, really believe in, then maybe i do something like that. So if you're judging August Edwards, taking a Tyson Williams might not be a bad idea to kind of handcuff yourself because you get value while he's playing. And if he goes gets injured, you have even more value. But like we talked about Madison earlier in the show. if I take Dalvin Cook, I'm not going after Madison just because I have Dalvin Cook. If there's if he's the one of the running backs that's better on my board or I've kind of filled up other positions, I might get cute and do that. But for me, handcuffs aren't something I necessarily target and have never historically targeted. I more so look for guys who have the best value in their each round and kind of go accordingly. If you're an injury-prone guy, probably not drafting you very much either. So that's another thing I kind of keep in my mind. I'm not really going to be targeting injury-prone guys as much. If you're a great value, that I'll take you where your value is. The handcuff thing, to me, has never been a big thing I've been into.
3: And Justin? Um, I'm actually on the opposite in some ways. So... I like taking handcuffs, but I like taking other people's handcuffs. And I like to particularly go after handcuffs that match the starter. So, like, I'll I'll tell you this, uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. I'll take that all day long because I feel like if DeAndre Swift goes down, I'm not losing value by going with Jamal Williams. Does that make sense? Because it's like, you know, he can pass catch just as well as DeAndre Swift and run just as well. I mean – Obviously DeAndre Swift is a starter for a reason, but when it comes down to it, I'm going after those guys. Another key guy for me would be like a Keenan or a Kenyon Drake because I know that every once in a while, Josh Jacobs goes down for about two games in a season. so I'll take Kenyon Drake. he's a former starter, you know, and um he matches well with what Jacobs already does a power runner who can go out and catch an occasional ball and I'm also one of those guys that likes to wheel and deal those types. So I go run heavy in every single draft, running back heavy in every single draft. So I'll tack on those guys because I know that my guys will get injured. And if my guys don't get injured, I can always trade those guys to get other players or other picks. So that's how I kind of take handcuffs, and that's my strategy on it.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'd say I'm probably closer to you, Chris. I don't take them often unless there's someone who I I think is – I'll take young handcuffs, I guess is what I'll say. If someone's young and I think that they – if they showed out upon injury could steal the job, then I'll take them. Otherwise, I I don't really – I'm not that interested. It's just not – really outside of – especially in Dynasty, outside of contending pushes, I'm just getting as much wide receiver value as I can and then consolidating that wide receiver value into running backs for a season or two then blowing it up and doing it again, essentially. I mean, that's what it boils down to doing. Um, And then in in redraft, um, I'm pretty close to you, Chris. I'm just trying to get the value wherever it is. And if after the draft I need to trade to fill some holes, then that's fine. I'd rather just get max out value as much as I can. So then I have a lot to work with to trade. Um, Yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting conversation um, going around the Twitters uh, this week that I, I, I wanted to get your guys' take on. Um, so again, this has been a super long show. We are we are at the end of it. Uh, Chris, what are you guys doing on the MD's fantasy football show uh, this week?
2: Yeah, we're kind of pre- pre- previewing the upcoming season as well, kind of reviewing the things that have happened in the preseason. Some of us we did in the show, anything kind of jump out to us, anything that kind of stood out to us, and we're trying to make sure we prepare you for your draft and get ready for the season kickoff.
3: Yeah. I like it. I like it, Justin. What are you working on? Um, yeah, you can uh, catch me at Belly Up writing for uh, writing for Belly Up. Uh, I just put out an article uh, all aboard the Gus Bus. It's about Gus Edwards' potential this year, and um, during the season I'm gonna be writing up the start sits forever or for uh, Belly Up. So you can catch me at uh, Max 93 on Twitter. Awesome, awesome. Um, so thank you guys want for to- hanging out. Yeah, Chris.
1: I
2: was going to say real quick, the one of the big things I'm looking forward to this upcoming sh- the week for our shows on MDs is Dan's going to release some of his rankings, and he's going to show you kind of where his top 108 players, and we're going to discuss where they kind of fall based on his projections and his statistics that he came up with for the season.
1: I like that. That's going to be right. – definitely right. going to have to tune into that. That's going to be very interesting. Um all right, guys. Well, if that's that, then we are gonna r- wrap up this uh, action-packed episode. We we spent almost two and a half hours, but really, there's we probably skipped uh, almost a third of our show notes. So <laughs> there was just a lot to really get through. Um, yeah, uh, thank you, guys, Belly Up Nation, for tuning in.
0: we